This is Danny Trejo, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. Keep listening, or I'll take your head. Without your head, I'm Nasty Neil. And I'm joined by Gigi Saul Guerrero of Luchador hey. Productions. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Good, man. How are you? Excellent, excellent. This has been a couple years in the making, I think. I think so. I yeah. do remember this. Yes. <laughs> but uh, thanks for keys for uh, uh, out there for uh, for setting it up. She said she demanded you come on, and so uh, so here you are. I love that. Keys is a great, great person. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, how did Lucha Gore Productions uh, begin? Oh, man. Um, well, I can tell you the funny story. The, the whitest guy in our team came up with the name. <laughs> Most people think, oh, Gigi came up with it. It's like, no, uh-huh. that was that was Luke. Luke Bramley came up with that name. He's like the pun master. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Luke and I uh, went to the same film school. Um, and uh, just from there, uh, we met Rainer, who actually, who's our producer, our other co-founder, but he went to our rival film school. And we were one of the first teams here in Vancouver to ever combine both schools together because they're very, very, very competitive schools. Um, and we just kind of were like the the outcasts of, of our class. Like we were kind of the only horror freaks for Luke and I that were really making that stuff during school. And, and Rainer as well was really interested in making different kind of stuff from his class. Uh, so it just kind of all worked out. And uh, we made our first 
series, which was called Choose Your Victim at the time, which was one of our graduation projects. And then after that, we were like, hey, we're a really cool team. Like, let's start gathering people. So from there, we became Luchagor. Uh, must have been late 2012, early 2013, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't realize that, like, uh, film schools would have rivalries. Oh, oh no, they are. Like, <laughs> we make fun of each other all the time. Like, if I mess up on set, or especially if Rainer messes up on, on set, we, we're like, oh, it's because you went to Vancouver Film School. Or if I mess up, it's like, oh, you're from Capilano. It's okay. Like, we, we always make fun of each other from what school we're from. <laughs> so it's good times. It's good times. But yeah, now, yeah. now I, I teach directing at vfs which is rainer's uh old school so i feel like my school i uh, might feel a little betrayed by me because <laughs> i joined that side but we'll see what happens yeah yeah so the, the first movie i ever saw the first short i saw you guys was elegante and yeah. uh, which i i just love because i'm a i'm a big wrestling fan and a horror movie fan so it's perfect for me that's perfect that, oh i i love that short so much um have you read the book no, I you know what I watched it again last night. I like binge watched uh, your stuff, and uh, I I didn't realize it was a book until yeah. the second time I watched it. That's pretty. Yeah, awesome. I re- I highly recommend the book uh, by Shane Shane McKenzie. Uh, the book is called Muerte con Carne, uh, um, which means death with meat. But basically, El Gigante, like what you saw, was chapter one of the book. Is the opening, mm-hmm. so. I mean, our our goal at Luchugor is still to make the whole book, so make our feature of El Gigante. Uh, the book is awesome, but you know we need we need money for for that once. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll make some other stuff first, and well, then El Gigante yeah. once we get that chance. That's true. Right after watching, I saw that it was uh, based on the on the novel. I went and looked it up on Amazon, and uh, I saw you know you can get the the heart, well the, the you know you can get the physical copy. It's also on uh, Kindle, so I'm definitely going to be reading it. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. And seriously, if the last three chapters, you just can't put the book down of what the fuck is happening. <laughs> and it's like, it's so grotesque. And like, I remember all of us saying, if we ever do make this into a feature, which I, I hope we do, mm-hmm. stuff stuff at the end, it's like, uh, I don't know what's worse, El Gigante or like Serbian film with certain things. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God. And you know, like, I, I think my parents will never forgive me for this one. You know, <laughs> so, uh, so hopefully we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed that that, that chance happens. Yeah. It's just El Gigante is pretty uh, graphic, it's pretty gory. So uh, yeah. I would assume that was the end. But if that's just the beginning, I, now I'm definitely looking forward to reading it. Oh, awesome. You'll have to tell me what you think. Yeah, uh, definitely will. So, who played uh, who played Elegante in it? His name is David Fortz. He is probably the most polite, gentle human being ever. And he—I don't know if he still works there, but he worked at I think at a Greek restaurant here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And quite a few people that saw El Gigante were like, "Oh my God, El, Gig- El Gigante is serving my food!" And he's like <laughs> the most polite man ever. Like I remember. Um, I remember like directing him on set. And I'm like, David, like go full out, like go full beast, like show me, you know, this, that, like blah, like going so into it. And, and he's so calm. He's like, yes, ma'am. Like so <laughs> calm. And I'm like, can you do that? And he's like, yes, ma'am. Like so calm. 
I, I don't know how he, and then suddenly like, he would explode. Oh, he was so awesome. Like we were not going to make the short if we didn't find someone like him. It was just, it was, it it was, it had to be it. And he was the last person to audition. So our, um, our hopes were very low by that point. We were like, well, we're not going to make this one, I guess, you know? And, uh, and suddenly he walked in and, and he was wearing like a hoodie and, it was one of his first auditions at the time, and he was a little shy. And then he's like, oh, I apologize if I scream. And we're like, oh, no, no worries. Then he took off his hoodie and just, like, exploded and just, like, went right up to Luke and Rainer, who were sitting on the front uh, table. I was uh, at the back by the camera. And both Luke and Rainer screamed, like, because oh, he just, like, went right up to their face. And just immediately we're like, yeah, that's the guy. Like, he has no, no questions asked. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Did, did he have any wrestling background? Just boxing, I think. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, just boxing. Um, he's awesome, though. Like, he's bigger now. Like, I mean, by bigger, I mean, like, more muscular. Like, he's a bigger, tougher guy today than from what he looks like on the film. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the ring itself uh, with, like, the skulls and the turnbuckles. And uh, did, did you have, like, an actual wrestling ring and then you dressed it up? or? Oh, no. The, where we shot it was just four walls. Everything was empty. It was at my school. Um, for El Gigante and um, our producer, Rainer. Uh, he might actually show up on the show. He's supposed to be at my house oh, cool. <laughs> to work, so he might come on. Um, but he he designed the, the wrestling ring. Um, he production designed it. He grabbed, because he, he used to work at a tire shop, and he grabbed the big semi semi-truck tires for the spring as the springboard basically so they're under the ring and then he put the platform of the wood just stapled it all together super ghetto and put the like everything was made really really ghetto and uh i I remember we were all like stapling the canvas on the on the wood on top of the tires and it worked like it looks pretty legit yeah no he 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 designed it all. Um, he's like, oh, I know how to make a wrestling ring. We're like, how? How are you gonna do this? Um, but yeah, that's Rainer. He can he can make anything happen. Yeah. What I like uh, when I was watching all your stuff, uh, Eleganti, all the films actually, uh, there is so much uh, detail everywhere. Uh, you know, it looks like an actual place because uh, sometimes you watch a movie and maybe you can tell like it's a set or something. But uh, you know, there's just like all this stuff in the wrestling ring. Other places, all this stuff like, uh, you know, all these tools and everything. How long does it take to, to dress up all these things? It takes some time, but we've been, uh, at Luchagor, we've been really smart too, except for El Gigante. That was the only one we got a little bit of budget for. But everywhere else, like all our shorts, um, we're, we're really smart at picking locations that are kind of already either dressed or we can just mess up and gore and dress them and it doesn't matter like i think five five of our shorts take place in the same location and you can't tell they were all at rainer's tire shop at his work um and you can't even tell that they're all there uh so uh, you know we just kind of you just we're just really like we pick kind of a a three-wall area like a corner with three walls and we're like oh there's already this and this on there there's already these tools or this type of decoration or there's already spider webs or whatever we kind of always try to go with what we have i mean 
as an indie artist, our biggest uh, struggle is budget, right? So it's kind of, you got to shoot around what you, you, you do have already. Um, so, and a lot of the times, like our awesome art team, uh, the Luchigor art team, they go on Craigslist a lot and find stuff for free all the time and just destroy the shit out of everything that we can find for free. Um, yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. Like we, we love dressing the sets. We, we really want all our stuff to look like it's from a Luchigor world. Like all these characters come from the same planet almost. Um, so we try to make it just feel super sweaty, grimy, and broken things and tools that just looks really raw. And yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Even like uh, the the shorts, like uh, East the Easter one and the Christmas uh, Luchador Christmas and Luchador Easter. Uh, it's just you need to sit there and look at all the gr- like you said grimy, gritty stuff, and uh, it's you totally get the, the same vibe with all of them. Like you said, in, in the same universe, and I I totally dig that. Oh, that's awesome. That's a, well, that's the, the same location, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> the different side of the walls. Yeah. Um, oh, that's awesome. And thank you. I appreciate that. I also noticed most of them don't have a happy, happy ending. Most of them don't. Mm-hmm. No, I actually, I think all of them so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, the one that we have on Netflix, the uh, Mexico Barbaro, our segment, is a good ending. I think that mm-hmm. one's a, a, a fuck yeah ending. I think uh-huh. that one's that one's happier. <laughs> happier. Yeah, happier. Uh, uh, can you tell us about uh, Quinceañera? La Quinceañera, yeah. Oh, that I'm excited. Um, La Quinceañera is our definitely our biggest project yet. Um, it, it was a collaboration with Warner Brothers and Stage 13. And La Quinceañera is a seven-episode miniseries. You can watch it, all of it now. It just came out on Studio Plus, is very different for Luchagor. It's a it's a total Latin horror, um, a thrilling coming-of-age story where this 15-year-old girl and her grandma have to take revenge um, on the town cartel that came to ruin her 15-year-old party. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I guess the best way to describe it is Think Kill Bill meets El Mariachi. That's probably the best way I could put it. Yeah. Um, so how, how many episodes is there? Seven. And is it, is it going to be like uh, one season? Well, no. We, we need people to watch it because then we can make more seasons. We left it. I won't give anything away. Sure. But but the ending is like, so far the fans I've seen it are like, season two. And I'm like, yeah. Like, we got to spread the word. And, and uh, so far people are absolutely loving the show. And... It really showcases a different side to Luchagor and anything I've directed. It's a lot more mature. Of course, it has budget, uh, so it's a lot higher quality. Um, but it's such fun storytelling. It really was a crazy experience to tell uh, such a long-form story. And also, we shot it like a feature um, at the time because we were pressed for time. So we kind of had to put it all together like a feature and shoot it that way. So making sure the the attention to detail was so important, and uh, and just uh, the overall storytelling. Now it's long form, so going from shorts to that was a big, big, overwhelming change. But it was the best learning experience I could ask for. So how long is each episode? 
Uh, there, there are many episodes, so I think between 15 minutes or so. Sure, sure. but over, yeah. over time, that's even many hours. So. Yeah, and I, what the WB and Stage 13 want to do, they're, they're basically creating a lot of digital uh, like streaming content, more like on the go. So like in Señora, you know, you go on the bus, you can stream it and binge watch it all. You know, it's kind of one of those shows that you can, or kind of what Crypt TV does as well. They're super short form yeah. uh, kind of series. Um, yeah, so I'm so stoked for people to start watching it. It, it seems like uh, shorts have really uh, become popular the last few years. Totally. Well, we have, uh, people just have less time now. Or maybe it's not even time. It's like, I think it's their attention, attention span. Yeah, right. The attention span is like, oh, the cat didn't do something funny right away. Click, like, you know, and like you go to the next one. Uh, it's so easy to just click away. You know, people don't really go on YouTube as much anymore. Like it's Facebook is right there. Instagram is right there. You know, so why go to a different site? That's how I've, I've seen it hap- happen lately. It is nice, too, just to sit down and watch a bunch of them in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I can't I can't lie. I sit there and <laughs> keep watching shows, especially on Facebook or videos, viral videos. They just pop up. You yeah. don't even like, have time to think, oh, do I watch it or not? You're like, oh, another one. And you just get super into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one I really loved of yours is uh, Madre de Dios. Uh, and I'd never heard of Brujos before until The Evil Dead. Uh, the series, Evil, well, Ashford's Evil Dead, and yeah. uh, here you guys had one uh, a couple years ago. I think it was made, and, uh, or two of yeah. them. And uh, so th- I guess that's a real uh, a legend. Uh, some of the things, some some of the things on that ritual were real from brujeria standpoint. But I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I'm really scared of all that stuff, so I didn't want to <laughs> mess up. I didn't want to mess things up too much on set because I was like, we're going to open a portal. We're all going to die. And I just don't want to do that, you know. So we changed a few things, added a few things of our own, like Lucha or stuff, like the, 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 the necklace with the chicken fingers and, like, the claws and, like, like the, the stuff with the tarantula skins and just added a, a few more things of our own, of our own. But, um, and kind of wanted to pay off a bit of, of a homage to um the Aztecs and the Mayans way back in the day, the way that they had uh all these like um scar scar tattoo type on their faces. I, I, I don't know how to say it in English, but um not tattoos, but like when you you scar your skin and it, it becomes like not like a brand, but the scar. Yeah, I know. yeah it's like a, a tribal scars and stuff. So we wanted to play with that and kind of bring a bit, a bit of the Latin uh, ancient twist into it, and and kind of mix it in with brujeria and uh, you know giving birth to some sort of god or an antichrist of some sort. And we just kind of wanted to play with all those creepy voodoo ideas, you know. And Madre de Dios was that. Again, shot at Rainer's Tire Shop. Like you could, you would never guess that's the locker room. <laughs> that's the locker room at the tire oh, shop. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Madre de Dios was fun, and I can tell you that uh, I had to take all those demon masks. Like if anyone that watches that short film, uh, super carefully. The demon masks in that film, um, they had to be blessed before we shot them because they're real demon masks. Like they're oh, wow. legit, 
legit tribal demon masks and we've used them a lot but before every set we get holy water dump it in the, dump it on the masks <laughs> just in case you know because especially uh -huh. with my family you know we're, we're from mexico so we're, we're catholic very mm -hmm. spiritual supernatural believers that my mom's like bless those masks <laughs> or you're all gonna burn on set you know so yeah, we we had to do that every time. Yeah. Have you ever used like a Ouija board or anything? Oh God, no, I'm too scared, man. No, 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 no. I know bad shit's gonna happen if I do that. Oh my god. We found one in one of our uh I think it was one of our second houses. It was on the crawl space. I must have been like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. And it was just some Ouija board. It was a little different. I mean it didn't look like your typical wooden Ouija board, but you can tell it was a Ouija board because it had the letters, the numbers, but it was uh, it was like a different layout. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it was you could tell it was handmade because it it almost was with the um, the the texture of a, a clipboard, mm -hmm. just like super hard. It, I guess wood, but not really. Um, and, the, and my sister and I found it. We're like, look, Ma, someone made a Ouija board. My mom's like, burn it. <laughs> burn it. What is that? Get it out of my house. Like, she just, like, freaked out. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, but, yeah, no, the, all, you walk in her house and, like, there's Virgin Mary all over the place, you know. Like, <laughs> that stuff. I, I'm too scared. Yeah, I used one for the first time a few years ago with my friend Annabelle. And uh, I, I'm not necessarily a believer in that kind of stuff. And we used it in this um, uh, cemetery near me. And it was, um, but what was weird was uh, we actually got like responses and it wasn't anything like really crazy. So I, that made it more believable to me because I think if you were even unconsciously going to make something up, you'd make something, you know, really, yeah. you know, super, you know, huge. And it was just very like this guy had kids. And what was really weird though at the end, because we were asking and it would answer all stuff. And then it was, uh, where are you here? And it just would kind of float around the board. And I knew that that cemetery is, is haunted. Well, it's considered haunted, but I never knew why. And then when I looked up the reason, um, it was flooded when they built the canal. And so, and then when they moved the, uh, the, the, um, the tombstone stuff, they're on the wrong, uh, they're over the wrong bodies. So that really made it weird how it just floated around when we were asking where he was in, in the cemetery. Oh my god! Wait, wait, so you did play this at the cemetery? Yeah, yeah, we oh, we sat in the cemetery. You're estás loco. You're crazy. <laughs> I I couldn't. Oh my god. Oh, you are so brave. Oh, yeah, I'm scared. Dumb, maybe I'm you know? scared like hearing this. Like, you know, it's funny. Like, I love horror films so much, but when it comes to demons and possessions, ghosts. I get so scared. I believe everything I'm watching. I also think I love believing in it. Like, I love being so scared. It's such a thrill. I probably would play the like the Ouija board at the cemetery, like, because it's a thrill. You know, I, I I could see myself doing that now that I'm older. <laughs> but I know what I'm in for. I know that I'm going to, like, be haunted or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you feel that like a lot of the the uh, stuff you're talking about, a lot of the Latin um, uh, demons and, and folklore and stuff? Do you think that's like an untapped uh, market in uh, 
in horror movies because it's a lot of stuff. You know, we've seen vampires and everything that that everyone knows, but some of this stuff isn't uh, something that everyone you know knows about here in America. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's slowly rising. I think the just the culture in general, it's slowly being more recognized and being put in more in films. I mean, like, for example, Paranormal Activity a few years back did the marked ones, which was more Latin based. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now Mexico is coming out with so many filmmakers from there that they're putting a lot of that into their stories, into their films. But I think it's a progress that's slowly going to happen. Like, even the tradition of Day of the Dead, you know, Pixar just made one, Coco, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think slowly our culture is really coming on strong. And, uh, I mean, I, it's not a good example, but even just stuff that's happening in our everyday world, unfortunately, like cartel, drug lords, and stuff like that, those experiences are now a huge thing. Well, I mean, La Quinceañera, right? It's a cartel show. Um uh, now Sicario films are coming out, like narco series everywhere. Um, There's even some in Breaking Bad. Yeah, 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 totally. Like I think it's just, just the Latin market in general is starting to grow. Um, but we have so many, so so many amazing legends and amazing, um, scary, scary stories from Mexico and like in in the folklore. It's really scary stuff, very twisted, really dark. We have so many, and hopefully um, that can be brought back. I mean, it wasn't since the golden era in the 50s for Mexico that we had all that. We had luchadores, like, fighting mummies and stuff like that. Like, that's huge over there. And El we, Santo was so El Santo, yeah. We had all that stuff, and around those times, we had monsters and demons, like, huge uh iconic legends uh from mexico movies like that playing but but i mean today i haven't really seen much of that come out maybe not maybe in the mainstream as much or at all so hopefully that could be something that could be done more or or for myself i would love to tap into that world more you know i i for us for luchagor my goal is to just have a little bit of of latin horror here and there even if it's not quite uh obvious just have something in there that kind of represents where i'm from mm-hmm. you know uh, yeah what were this what were the stuff you watched growing up that you know, inspired you to to want to make horror movies <laughs> well first of all i blame my mom why i like horror <laughs> movies so much and she hates that i blame her <laughs> it's because i wasn't allowed it was so oh. strict, so strict on my house, my friend, like, so strict. Even dr- I remember I was so little watching anything with violence, like even like uh, Jurassic Park 2, when the little girl gets eaten alive at the beginning. Sorry, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> the way my mom would cover my eyes, like, ay, Dios mío, don't watch. You know, like, she would just freak out. Like, anything violent, horror, blood, anything near it. It was so frowned upon at my house. So, you know, for me, like, well, I don't think she expected my curiosity to peak so much. Like, I was like, why? You know, and as a little kid, your imagination is actually worse than than what's on screen, right? Right. So I was trying to imagine, like, what's so wrong with what, what is she covering for me? Until um, one day at Blockbuster, 
And by the way, I loved walking down the horror aisle at Blockbuster and seeing all the the um, the cover pages of all the VHS tapes. <laughs> I loved it because I was imagining what these films were about, you know. And uh, I stole one. <laughs> I stole Child's Play. Uh, I just remember the cover. He's got like these big scissors cutting like a little toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so haunting because I had a lot of clown toys at my house. Mm -hmm. And it just reminded me so much. So I stole it. Um, they didn't even have the, like, the... the they didn't have the movie. The, oh, the I see. Pretty cameras yeah. or anything. So it was easy to take a movie over there. <laughs> and, yeah, so I watched, I watched Child's Play and um, couldn't even get past 20 minutes. I was so scared. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And I turned it off and I was like, wow, being scared is the coolest thing in the world. Like I was like, wow. And I got in so much trouble, grounded, everything you can imagine. And then a couple of years later, The Exorcist came back out. I think all over the world, it, it was remastered, right? In the, in the late 90s, I think it was, or early 2000s. So I must have been nine or ten when The Exorcist came back out in theaters. And I was like, I went up to my mom. I was like super ready. And I was like, Mom, I'm turning ten. Like, I'm going to be two-digit number. I'm old enough. You can't keep you know, like horror movies away from me. I want to go see The Exorcist. My mom was like, you crazy. We're not. No, no, no. I saw that when I was 14 and I didn't sleep. Mom. I'm like, I don't care. I'm tough. Okay, I'm tough. And then my mom got so mad. She's like, okay, do you want to get scared? Let's go. And bring your cousin, too, because my cousin was a brat. So she took both <laughs> of us. And, yeah, I came out of the movie crying. And and I thought it was the greatest feeling in the world. And after The Exorcist, like, I couldn't believe a film could come with me all the way home. Like, I, I thought Linda Blair was in my room. I thought, like, she was going to appear. Like, I never... Like experiencing something like that so late in age was such a weird thing for me that was so interesting. So not to make the story any longer, but from there, I just enjoyed watching horror movies. I enjoyed being so scared about them and, and haunted houses and, and going to them and just imagining the worst. And, um, and yeah, I mean, again, coming from a, catholic family in mexico we believe in superstition a lot and and ghosts and stuff so i have that around me all the time i mean we have a day of the dead celebration where we celebrate the dead you know and embrace it like there's so many different feelings over there uh that get mixed so for me was was just kind of easy to be interested in in horror you know and uh and as a filmmaker you know, uh, growing up, I started watching Devil's Rejects. Like, for, I remember first time I saw Devil's Rejects, mm -hmm. it hit me so hard. I was like, wow, like, th that movie's so gritty and raw and, like, real people, you know? And not so much, like, Chucky is super, like, you know, very... Something yeah, that could happen, based in reality more. Yeah. Based in reality more. And, and I saw Devil's Rejects, like, late, like, when I was 19, 20... Uh, I never heard of him. It was thanks to Luke that he was like, okay, you're watching like whatever horror. Let me show you some good stuff. And 
he showed me Rob Zombie and I was like, Oh my God. Like, I, like he's awesome. Uh, so yeah, definitely. The two movies that hit me hard in, in terms of horror were definitely, uh, the exorcist and devil's rejects made me really just take a turn on a lot of stuff and, and started being more interested in more in different filmmakers and more visceral type work. Mm-hmm. So actually, are you looking forward to uh, three from hell then? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Freaking out. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Yeah. No, I'm pretty excited. Really big yeah. fan. I'm a really big fan. So, actually, what's uh, just a quick thing is uh, our first uh, show in 2006, the first guest we ever had on the show was Sid Haig. Uh, no. Captain hey. Yeah. It was, uh, I, it was kind of a, uh, you know, he, it's kind of nerve-wracking the first time you're doing an interview, and it's uh, Sid Haig is on the show, but he was totally cool, so it went very well. Hey, that's pretty cool to be one of your first guests. Yeah, like, yeah the very uh, first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, very first one. Yeah, hey, man, yeah. that's awesome. That's really, really awesome. What, which one's uh, your horror film that really impacted you? Or uh, let's see. When I was a kid, I was really like Psycho. Uh, but the first one that, like, uh, I still have it here. Uh, the first VHS tape that my mom bought me was uh, Creep Show. Uh, I always loved Creep Show. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a really good blend of everything. It's got, you know, cool monsters are in it. It's a little, a little like uh, um, tongue in cheek. Yeah. Uh, and then I love the I love the anthologies with the short stories. And then it's got kind of the comic book feel, and so everything about it I always I was really liked. Wow, I you know what man, you just inspired me to watch that again. I don't think I've seen that in maybe ten years, like a long time. Oh my god, okay, I'm I actually wrote this down. <laughs> I, I I still have the old clamshell. The the tape itself doesn't work anymore. I actually I guess wore it out, but I kept it because the VHS. Uh, clamshell case is pretty cool that is so cool that's really cool i love that and uh and uh yeah it was the first one my mom bought me too uh and vhs tapes are very expensive back then so it was a pretty big deal mm-hmm. uh, oh no sorry i was gonna say that we had a vhs thing at my house when i was really really little like my first few steps into being a obsessed movie person uh, my, my dad had this like VHS box. I don't know what it's called, but you can actually, when you put a VHS tape in it, you can watch uh, the movies frame by frame. Like it had these specific buttons that could just go one frame at a time and you can go forward and, and forward and backwards on it. And I'm talking like three year old me, three to five year old me. When I started using that, I loved watching all my disney vhs steps frame by frame to find mistakes like continuity mistakes or drawing mistakes or something like that and uh sorry it just reminded me of that yeah Um, that's cool yeah Yeah, super weird kid but i mean whatever floats (laughs) your boat right (laughs) exactly so does your does your mom watch uh watch your movies and it was she encouraging she, you for, oh, to, yeah, to go she, with this? <laughs> she watches them now. She has trouble with them. Well, like a lot of trouble, actually. Um, but she's always like covering her eyes. She's like, I'm so proud of you, honey. <laughs> you know, or, like just recently, she was super happy. I, I, I booked a, an acting gig for a kid's show. Uh, for a kid's show. So it's all happy and dandy. 
And my mom's like, oh, I'm so happy. Something not gory, you know, like super, <laughs> super stoked. Uh, but my mom's favorite is the one of the last shorts we made, uh, Bestia, uh, mm-hmm. because it has no gore. No, you can't, you can't really see the monster. <laughs> so my mom's like, that one's my favorite. <laughs> uh, so I was like, no worries, Ma, just for you. Yeah, I thought I really liked Bestia too. It's a, a little different than, than your other ones, I think. Super uh, different, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we really wanted to play more in atmosphere outside and uh, challenge ourselves like, hey, well, what would it be like to shoot this in the day, right? Like, how can we make it feel unsettling in the day? Mm-hmm. And and really play that your imagination is actually worse than what you can see on screen, which is what we've done every time. We show the monster, we show the gore, we show everything. So Bestia was totally just a, a fun day out in the woods in the super dangerous location. <laughs> um, just uh, totally making a short that was super different, uh, That that's more about the audience's interpretation. And it's been really cool to hear from a lot of fans, what they think it was about and how different everybody's answer has been. Uh, so definitely when we put that online, I, I really look forward to seeing more comments about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely it's left up, uh, kind of like a 70s movie where it's left up to your, uh, exactly what you said, interpreta- interpretation of, of what is happening. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that was our goal. Um, I mean, there is exactly one thing, what, what it's about, what we want it to be about. But we're like, yo, mm-hmm. let's leave it more open so people can just imagine it. And that yeah, it's been yeah. so cool. We, we've heard some really funny answers <laughs> <laughs> so far. Yeah. yeah. Another thing, actually, uh, since you brought that up, uh, something I, I, I noticed in all your shorts is uh, the sound's really good, too. Uh, like, oh. in Bestia, you can hear, like, the monster. And then I think in, in a lot of stuff where the gore's happening, you got the gurgly, you know, stuff. And I always say that, that really adds uh, a lot to uh, uh, to gore scenes or any or any kind of horror movie. Thank you so much. No, our sound team is so good. They're, they're uh, one of the best in Mexico City. They make a lot of horror films. Their name is Lex Ortega and Luis uh, Flores. They're, they're called LSD Audio in Mexico City. <laughs> And we've been working with them in every project because they are just the best in the industry when it comes to horror. And anybody that's a fan of Lex knows he is probably probably the most grotesque filmmaker standing today uh, with his films. Like, I can't, I, I love the guy. He's such a nice teddy bear guy. But God God damn, his films are so <laughs> violent and, and vile and atrocious. I'm like, oh, like I can't get through them. So he knows, like he's the guy that just like understands how to make you, like how to amplify your film. And and our composer, Chase, the music he brings is just always so perfect for, for the world. So the combination of those guys together have really brought something special to our shows. And you're right. I think sound is so important. I think for any genre and anybody making indie films, like you can almost have not the best quality in the picture, but if your sound is really good, it's watchable. But the moment your sound is bad, it's 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 so distracting. It's so it's something that 
I always tell people one thing when you're putting your movie together, make sure you have good sound. Make sure you have someone that's going to take care of it for you or you take care of it, you know? Um, I, I think it's something that's overlooked a lot, too. It's totally overlooked. It's not as much appreciated, I think, either. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people don't really recognize it. I'm so glad you brought it up because sound changes everything. I remember when they sent us El Gigante for the first time. And I almost cried because I, I liked our shorts. I thought it was not bad, but I was worried. I was like, I don't know if people are going to be into this. And when Lex and Luis sent it back with Chase's music, everything together for the first time, <gasps> like my heart just dropped. I was like, whoa, oh my God, like it changed the whole film. And, uh, and we actually didn't ask for any notes. Exactly what's on El Gigante is what they sent. Like, I, I didn't change anything. I couldn't even believe how far. And that was my first experience as one of my first films that I've ever made uh, or directed. I didn't really understand or appreciate how sound can just change your movie. And that first experience with El Gigante, it, it really made me go, wow. Like, sound is is so much to the table sound really can change the world of, of the story you're you're telling um uh so yeah it's it's awesome we we've worked a few times with another guy from here in vancouver robert fanouf and he's made our fright nights commercials and he's so cool he's great and and even for a sound designer like him he has expressed to us many times that how awesome it is when he works with us not just because it's us even though we're super cool but just that how awesome it is to go from regular shows comedies or making regular commercials to go into a horror world into a you know a super exaggerated version of reality in a genre film or project and how much further he as a sound designer can go and immerse an audience into it and every time he's expressed that to us it's it's really cool and it really makes you appreciate what those guys do, you know? So I hope, uh, you know, more people can, can really, really start looking into that more. Mm -hmm. uh, I also want to mention a uh, Tristan uh, risk in, uh, in, in Madre de, de Dios was a great victim. She has a great scream. And I think uh, scream queen sometimes is overused, but, uh, she, uh, uh, she really, uh, brought like terror to the role. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, because she's been wanting to work with us for a while before. And I was like, Tristan, I'll find I'll find something for you. I'll write something for you. Like, not yet, not yet, not yet. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I've never seen Tristan. Like, at the time, I, I swear, I'd never seen her play a, a victim. I've always seen her be the boss bitch, the badass, the, you know, uh -huh. super fun, crazy girl, like, kicking ass. And I was like... I wonder what it'd be like to see her totally on the other side and not say a single word. Like how, how much can she portray just through emotion, through eyes, through body language, just like, you know, through total fear. And it was really cool to see her do that. Cause I, I never seen her. And I remember my partners were like, Oh, she's never done that before. Maybe she won't be interested or maybe she won't like it or, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, exactly. For that main reason, I think she can really get, into something new, into something fresh. And I can speak for, for myself as an actor, when you put into something new, man, you give it your all because you're trying something new. Um, 
another example is our actor Matias in Bestia. Mm-hmm. He's played our bad guy in everything. Uh, he's our bad guy in La Quinceañera. He's our bad guy in every, oh, just about every short in El Gigante. He's always playing the greasy Mexican, always. <laughs> and when we wrote Bestia, we didn't write it for him. We had in mind just like a big Viking man, like a big white burly man, like looks like straight out of Lord of the Rings or something like that. And Matias was like, no, 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 like get me, get me. Like I want, We're like, no, man, you don't even have a beard. You have short hair. Like, you don't, you don't look the part. He's like, no, like, transform me. Like, I'm the guy. And we're like, why you? He's like, because I've never played anything like that. I've never been placed in a situation like this before, and I want to. And it's a total example how when an actor just is passionate and wants to just give it their all for something new and fresh, oh, man, they kill it. And sure enough, in Bestia, he proved us wrong. Like, he was awesome. Like, I couldn't believe how good he was. No offense if you're listening, Matias. <laughs> you you are a really good actor, but but goddamn, like Bestia, like yeah, he he killed it for sure. Yeah, yeah. And be, yeah. being the only character in it, he you know he had to, or else uh, the exactly. movie wouldn't have worked. Exactly. He's the one who sells all you know all of uh, everything that's going on. That's the thing with no dialogue, and you're the only character. How do you make a a whole audience follow you in your journey? It's not easy. And we had a lot of talks about that, and I was like getting like frustrated with him i was like i swear man if if you don't get if you don't knock it out of the park tomorrow i like i was like not sure about it and uh it was a really cool uh turnout really cool and i think in general like the luchador fans that you know follow matias like they're gonna be in love with him in la quinceanera like for sure it's gonna be great yeah i have to mention too about tristan because you said about the eyes and uh, the, I really liked everything in Madre de, de Dios and uh, oh, everything dude. was, but the eyes, I think her eyes, and I don't want to spoil the movie, but there's eyes in a particular scene that I think is the scariest part of uh, of that short. A hundred percent. Like Tristan definitely had that and everything. You're, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And I just love how she's so committed and uh, even having talks of nudity and stuff like that. You know, I told her, look, I've seen you. A nude before in movies um but this one's gonna be different this one's gonna be vulnerable this one is gonna not give this it's not the same impression right it's it's uh, so she was so into it and so understanding and i mean hopefully we'll work with her again she's awesome like she's really cool girl and just so into it and doesn't care i mean i remember she was walking around the set like everything out <laughs> she's like going to the bathroom like you know it's like okay Tristan go ahead you know everything's showing uh she just makes set super comfortable and that's super important I think uh, especially in an indie production where you're pressed for time there's no money it's very little crew uh everyone's gotta be in such a good mood and when an actor can portray that it's it's so appreciated and she's definitely one of those Mm-hmm. Uh, w- when you see your movies at the festivals, what's that experience like to to watch uh, something you made with an audience? It's the best, man. That's like the most rewarding thing you can ask for as a filmmaker. It's the most rewarding thing. It's the award you get, whether it's good or bad. Like that's why we tell stories is to get reactions out of people. And hearing reactions, oh my god, it's my most favorite. I love sitting at the very back. And just hearing everything, everybody, or being in the middle too, where you can hear 
every single side of you, people reacting. I love it so much. Like, still with El Gigante, when the guy pulls his mask, and the, you can tell it's, like, sewn onto him. Like, people go, ah! And, oh, <laughs> I love it so much. Like, and when people scream and cheer, like, you go, wow, like, all the blood and tears to make this was worth it. Everything that you went through was worth it for that specific moment. And I'll never change my mind about that. Like, that's why you make a movie is for the reactions you get. People walking out, people screaming, people crying. Like, And only horror can do that. Only horror can make a whole room of an audience feel different stuff. You'll get the people squirming, the people covering your, their eyes, people laughing, people crazy like you and me cheering when people die on screen only only genre films can do that right like it's the only genre that can really bring out such a different emotion to what's on screen unlike you know drama comedies they're very specific to what you're supposed to feel yeah, and, and not i've always know. mentioned on the show there you know there's horror conventions obviously but there's no like a co comedy convention romantic comedy convention or anything like that, because uh, uh, you don't. I don't think it has the same type of fan base. <laughs> Boo! Yeah, that sounds so boring. <laughs> and I totally agree. Like, oh my gosh, going to conventions is so fun. It's like everybody's there because everyone's a fan. Uh, you know, like of the same crazy, crazy, nasty shit we all love to watch. You know, and uh, you're right. We're the weirdest human beings out there, and it's yeah. awesome. And we, uh, and, and we are the best fans, for sure. I think horror fans or genre fans in general are the best fans in the world, the most supportive and the most honest. So they'll tell you if your film sucks. And that's, <laughs> that's important. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, what, what are you working on now? Well, right now we are um, uh, trying to put a... A Luchu or feature together, like our first feature. Oh. I'm trying to, you know, get out off the ground, hopefully season two for La Quinceañera, but that's still, you know, on the down low. We'll see if it happens. We need people to watch season one first. Um, but our goal is uh, to make a feature uh, for Lucha Gore. So we are going hard with our new script that we've finished for the last six months. You know, it's written, it's ready to go. So now it's looking for funding. Um, Hopefully that could be our calling card before an expensive movie like El Gigante. Um, but hey, Luchigor is always going to put out some fun viral videos for everyone to enjoy online. So definitely we'll keep everyone surprised with those. Yeah, I, I had a fun time. I was watching all of them last night. Uh, I liked the, the, the Black Mask one, actually. Oh my up. gosh, that was so fun. <laughs> we didn't tell anybody about it. We just kind of put it on. Uh -huh. uh, and people went crazy. I got so many, so I got a ridiculous amount of comments of people thinking it was real. People oh, wow. telling me, you should sue them. Like, <laughs> your, your skin, like, poor you. Like, I had just last month, my aunt from Cancun, she saw it randomly and she's like, oh, are you okay? Like, she thought, like, she thought it was real. And uh -huh. I got, I got screenshots from a friend. Uh, and this was like recent, like in the last three months, couple months, she's, she's a makeup artist and she's part of, uh, you know, different, you know, have, there's Facebook groups for everything now. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a, a big makeup Facebook group or a special effects makeup group. And she screenshot me how some random 
shared that video on there and said, look at this dumb bitch ruining her skin. And er everyone's comment was like, she probably didn't moisturize. She should have used this and this product. Like, what was she thinking? She left it on too long. <laughs> People legit thinking that the black mask video of me is real. And I was like, you can't be that stupid. Like, you, can't, you can't be that dumb, right? Um, so that was a total like, hey, let's just surprise the fans with a black mask. Because that thing was trending so much. And uh, and those videos are pretty funny. Like, there's some really funny videos of people taking off the black mask. And I always was like, oh, my God, someone's face is going to be pulled off. Wait, let's do it, you know. Uh, that was a blast. It was just three of us in making that little thing. So we'll it's, make it's another also, <laughs> It's also funny that there are people that were trying to, like, defend the, the makeup. They're, like... Trying to blame me, if they thought it was real is one thing, but then like blame the person for having their face ripped off. I, I know, right? I like, what? <laughs> what kind of support is that? But yeah, people were were so worried for me, like fa fr family and friends. that just were. But even if you go now, like on on the Facebook one, which is the one that went viral, uh, the comments are some are so so ridiculous. I'm like, you really think that's real? Like, come on. Like, they're like, oh, that's why I don't use this product. This is what I was avoiding and like things like that. I was like, no. <laughs> oh, it's good times. Yeah. So are are you a Lucha Libre fan? Of course, my friend. Of course. You have, uh, do, you have do you have favorite mass, favorite uh, Lucha Lucha stars? Yeah, I mean I, I grew up with, with the classics like El Santo and Blue Demon are the ones that I was growing up with. You know, that my remember my dad would take me to Lucha Libre matches and like I would see El Santo like on the mural or painted here and there. And I was like, ah, you know, he's our Superman, right? It's like Superman and Batman for us in Mexico. Um, and then I started buying um, a bunch of the movies when I was little. Like those I was allowed to watch because they're more silly. Uh, like like, like the one with uh, the, the, the female vampires versus El Santo and like El Santo versus the, the mummies of Guanajuato and like all those films. Like I love them. I love them so much. And like, I might be like, I, I love, I hope that could be just a remake, like a today kind of film. A lot of people don't like that, like that to come back. And I'm like, I would love to rewatch that. Right. Like just see if someone can pull it off today yeah, um, yeah. to bring those back. Um, maybe me <laughs> or someone, <laughs> but I mean, I would love that. And yeah, I mean, I, I have a big collection of masks here in my house. And of course, of course I have Nacho Libre mask here uh -huh, uh -huh, in my uh -huh. room. I, I think I'm one of the only humans out there that really like that movie, but <laughs> that, that, and that's where I named my dog from Nacho from that movie. <laughs> Just so when I get mad at him, I'm like, Nacho, like so loud. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, did you like any of the more recent uh, luchadors, like uh, I don't know, Rey Mysterio or Juventud Guerrero or anybody? Of course, of course, of course. And I've been, I've started to really get into Lucha Underground too. I mean, I oh never, yeah, it's a great show. I, yeah, I never really gave it a chance to be fully honest. I was like, oh, it's probably too like gringo nice, you know? Like it's probably like man. But then I started watching. I was like, oh, this is pretty awesome, and uh, for sure. Yeah, it's a total. It's totally different than any other wrestling. It's like, uh, 
it's like a, a movie or a TV show that happens to be about wrestling, as exactly. opposed to like a wrestling show. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and the movie, The Wrestler, is awesome. Oh, yeah. Nothing to do with Lucha Libre, but just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Rourke is so good. Yeah, it's an excellent movie. Uh, uh, cheap plug for myself. I interviewed Juventud Guerrero a few years ago. It was a really good interview. Eddie Guerrero? Really? Oh, uh, uh, Juventud Guerrero. Oh, okay, because I was like, Eddie Guerrero, he's like my long... Well, yeah, that would have been... He passed away, but he was uh, from my mom's side, cousin, like far away. Cousin. Oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I've, inter- I've interviewed some of his brothers, but uh, not, not him. Oh, yeah, well, may he rest in peace. Yeah, definitely. So uh, was- how... Go on, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I was going to change a while ago my artist name to just be Gigi Guerrero, mm-hmm. but... It was. I was just too. When I started that, for just very little amount of time, I was too like, uh, uh, kind of put together with wrestling. Like, oh, you have to do with wrestling, or are you part of some sort of wrestling? So I had to put my other last name, Saul Guerrero, in there just so it could be different. But I love just Guerrero because it means warrior in Spanish. Uh, but I was just too, you know, resembled with wrestling for no reason. So I had, so I changed it back. Yeah, I just yeah, love I'll, to bring it up. <laughs> I'll be honest. I wasn't asking if you're related to Eddie Guerrero anyway. But then I thought, oh, she's going to think, I think all Mexicans are, are related or something. And oh, like, we are. At the, end. <laughs> at the end of the day, we're all cousins. All uh-huh. of us. Uh-huh. So how, how can you follow yourself online and follow uh, Lucha Gore Productions? Yeah, well, my social media is always at Horror Guerrero. Uh, but Lucha Gore is where we post all our awesome stuff. By the way, we're going to have new swag, too. We're going to have Lucha, Lucha Gore hats. Oh, my God. They're super sexy. Lucha Gore hats and new T-shirts, like brand new design. Uh, but, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Lucha Gore Productions. And, uh, or our website, www.luchagoreproductions.com and a lot of cool stuff is going to be happening so hopefully a feature season two uh more short film uh, like viral videos lots of great stuff coming i love the uh those uh, the uh uh elegante will make america great again t-shirt i I like Uh, that i saw those (laughs) those sold like pancakes man like hot Uh pancakes like it, like I, I, I was, we were scared. We were so scared that we took out our logo when, after we kind of finished the design because we always put Lucha Gore. Sure. We're like, you know what? Let's let's just if people are our fans, they'll know it's El Gigante, right? Mm-hmm. And hot damn, like those shirts flew. I only have one left in my stock here, oh. and like it just like flew. I couldn't believe how many people wanted one. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Well, I'm not just saying this because you're here, but I'm definitely looking forward to anything uh, you put out there because I really, uh, it really appeals to me. I, I really love all the vibe of everything uh, I've seen of yours. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Well, it's thanks to people like you. You know, it inspires me to just keep making more stuff. Like if people love it, I love it too, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and it's been awesome to have you on the show. Thank you so much. That was fun. Let's do it again. I was gonna say you're welcome back anytime. So yeah, we'll definitely will. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. Uh, yep. And we will do a video one at some point. I'll, we'll figure it out here. and Because uh, uh, I've got a lot of Lucha masks, too. So I oh, think it'll be fun to do a video a, one. A Lucha mask uh, uh, face-off, standoff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right. Thank you, very, thank you so much for doing this. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and i'm joined by ed gwynn of the original texas chainsaw massacre how are you doing today excellent excellent kind of trying to get my head screwed on right very good you, you've turned up to the right place so uh, <laughs> uh i guess uh, how did you get involved in texas chainsaw massacre oh an old friend of mine uh in fact Several old friends, as it turned out, in the long run, got me involved. Primarily Bob Burns, uh, who was the uh, art director, set director, uh, was uh, an old friend of mine. And uh, he knew that I had a truck and they needed a truck. So Bob uh, called me up and said, you know, you want to do this? Uh, you know, go by this uh truck stop, pick up a cattle trailer and come to this place and uh, we need you to do a scene. And I said, oh yeah, sure, I can do that. That's really how. <laughs> so was it uh, always for you to be in it or did they just want to use your truck at first? It, it, my recollection says they just needed the truck. But I think it sort of evolved into a part over time uh, during the day, it was much more impactful for me to 
interact with the uh, the uh, rest of the scene, you know, rather than just come over the hill and run into the uh, it dummy. Yeah. Uh, why did you have a truck? Were you a truck driver? Yeah, I was in the trucking business. Uh huh. So um, so when you showed up, so you had no. Did you know what the movie was called? Did you know anything about it? No, no, I really didn't. I I, I don't know that I even saw a script. Um, and if I did, I don't remember, but, uh, I, I knew Bob and I knew it was going to be something slightly unusual. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Yeah. What was that? Uh, than what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was there when you showed up? Um, well, most of the crew, uh, Daniel and Kobe, and I don't remember if Tim was around or not. I'm sure he was. Uh, Ed, uh, Marilyn, and Gunner, and that's it. Had you known any of of them? Had you known any of them besides Bob? Uh, Yeah, um, but a funny kind of connection, sort of a a family affair. Uh, Gunner was my brother-in-law's best man at his wedding. So, oh, wow. uh, I was out of town when they got married. I mean, we were in California then, but, uh, uh, yeah, it, uh, uh, Austin used to be a small town, so a lot of paths crossed, uh, and, uh, didn't know Toby or, uh, him and, uh, or, nor Ed or Marilyn either. Just Gunner and, and Bob, basically, were the people I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was Toby like uh, to work with? Yeah, just sort of like a director, sort of a pain in the butt, you know. Uh-huh. Take it again, take it again. <laughs> <laughs> how many not, takes did? Uh, how many? Yeah. Yeah, not 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 uh, somebody I, I'm sure would be fun to hang around with when he wasn't working, or maybe not. I don't really know, but. Uh, while while shooting, he was not uh, not that engaging. Right, right. Uh, how many takes did it did did each? Uh, well, how many separate scenes is there really uh, that you're in? Uh, well, pretty much coming over the hill mm-hmm. in the truck and hitting the dummy, and then doing a double take back to see uh, Marilyn running towards me towards the truck and jumping out, interacting with her. It was all essentially one, one scene with multiple takes. Mm-hmm. We started out uh, with me, Marilyn, uh, running down the road towards the camera away from Gunner. Uh, but that particular take seemed to go on forever because it was so hot and the surface of the road was so rough. I kept slowly cheating to my left. Uh, as far as I could to get into the shoulder where it wasn't, you know, hot asphalt because I didn't have on, you know, thick shoes or padded shoes or anything. It was just uh, way more comfortable. And we seemed to do that for an hour or more just uh, running. Mm-hmm. Marilyn was real good at running and yelling. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think that, uh, you know, people use the, the term scream queen. I think that's overused, but. Um... I think for her, like her performance in, in the whole movie, it, it really sells you know, the terror of everything that's going on. You really believe, you know, that she's being terrified. Oh, yeah. 
And, you know, that didn't bother her at all. I talked to her several times and have heard people, uh, you know, talking to her about her screaming. And she said, eh, you know, it, it was nothing in terms of stress. Her voice didn't change. Nothing was uh, damaged, but it just hit a hit a pitch that worked for her. And, boy, she worked it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what about uh, you said you, you knew kind of of Gunnar Hansen before, but. Uh, what was he like uh, to work with as uh, as Leatherface? Oh, it was great. You know, his his um, uh, because he and Burns and myself were you know kind of aware of each other. I I was frankly surprised. I didn't know that that Gunner was in it when I got there, and uh, it was uh, kind of uh, hot, sweaty work, and everybody got after it and. Uh, you know, he's a good guy. He was a great guy and uh, quite a uh, uh, strong uh, character in that role. Sweetheart, of course, uh, as a regular person, but uh, the role was uh, pretty powerful. I wanted to hit him. <laughs> <laughs> Were you there for when, uh, when, when they do the scene where the chainsaw lands on his leg? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You betcha. That was when I hit him. He yeah. fell down and and uh, dropped the saw on his leg, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, the, the story. The story is like they really dropped the chainsaw that they put like a metal yeah. thing under it. So uh, <laughs> when you're there yeah, watching the, that, what's like kind of going through your head? You know, this guy's got a chainsaw on his leg. Well, you know, I I, I knew it was a, a prop and set up. You know, with a piece of beef laying on top of a metal plate, mm-hmm. but it still was uncomfortable because it, with that friction, the plate got hot really fast. So Gunner was not anxious to do more than a take or two with it because it was not comfortable. We just sort of stood there and waited for him to uh, miss the plate out of you know terror. But it, yeah, when, it was cool. Yeah, when I when I talked to Gunner, he said uh, he didn't think of it at the time, but uh, they decided to film that last just in case. Something did go wrong, and it did cut his leg. Uh, at least had the rest of the movie films. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, they did it that day when I was there. Which, I don't know if that was the last day of principal photography, but I think it it may have been. There was some pickup stuff maybe with Marilyn mm-hmm. after that. But, yeah, that was uh, the whole dealie. So when the, when the movie comes out, uh, did you go to see it? Yeah, they they actually premiered it here in town, in Austin. So, yeah, we were there. (laughs) Somebody, somebody reminded me, although I don't remember, that (laughs) as we came out of the theater after the movie, some goofball fired up a chainsaw and terrified everybody. (laughs) So, uh, you know, you're only there for for you know the end of the movie. So when you're watching the whole Mm -hmm. movie, you know, what did you think of it? Oh, I thought it was incredible. You know, it was very uh, kind of gruesome and uh, terrifying, appropriately uh, uh, horrific. But uh, yeah, it was it was a good film. It, it had uh, it had the the right kind of uh, grit and tone to it. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, which still holds up. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Without a lot of extraneous and useless crap, you know, it's a uh, it's a good, clean uh, film. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, did, did you, uh, are you, were you into horror movies at the time or, or do you like them now? Yeah, no, I wasn't in any, uh, at the time, you know, I yeah. had went to well, I met California. You, yeah. I meant, did you like, I meant, did you like them? Yeah, sure. When I was a kid, you know, I, I, anytime I could, I'd go see what passed for horror films and, and that day, stuff like the blob and, you know, kind of funny 50s sci-fi stuff. Uh, what else did I see? Uh, you know, the, the murder in the room or, you know, uh, some of Vincent Price's stuff, you know, and, uh, I liked it. Yeah, it was good. Uh, when did you, uh, realize that, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, you know, was, was a big deal? Not for a very long time, you know, I, uh, we shot it and then, uh, you know, I got my check and pretty much forgot about it. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I guess it was, uh, probably 10, 15 years after. We shot it in 74, so, yeah, maybe late 80s. Uh, Bob and I were doing stuff. Bob did a little film that I scored for him, and I did some bit parts in, in a, a little short that he did. And uh, he told me about all this activity that was going on around the film. I knew nothing, you know, not being sort of in the business, and I wasn't pursuing uh, film work per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I didn't really know anything about its uh, popularity, but Bob, I think, had already done The Hills Have Eyes by then and was back in Austin, and uh, he told me it was, you know, huge, and the, the, the typical story of, you know, huge and nobody and everybody got screwed kind of thing, which, right. uh, you know, was kind of par for the course of film in general. <laughs> If you don't, if you had a bad, uh, a, a bad uh, business relationship, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, uh, it doesn't sound like that affected you too much. Obviously, it affected uh, uh, some of the other people in the movie, especially you know if you have a uh, a big part in the movie. And it's like a, a uh, an iconic horror movie that everyone has seen and made all this money, and you know not yeah. to make uh, much from it, you'd have to. Uh, you have to have your hard feelings about it, I would think. But uh, how did yeah. that affect yeah. you? Yeah, it, it, it didn't. I I had a little more experience with show business, uh, I think, than a lot of those guys. And I wasn't interested in uh, in getting my money on the come. You know, I wanted to be paid for the time that I spent there and have them write me a check. And I walked away fat and happy with a, a, a good uh, uh, pay for my efforts. You know, because I mean, I, I've been in the music business for, you know, probably 10 years by then. And I'm five to seven years older than just about everybody else that was in the film, with the exception of uh, the, uh, you know, uh, uh, drawing a blank. Uh, yeah, the cook. What's his name? Uh, who I never met. Cedo. Um, yeah, yeah. Tom Cedo. Yeah. But. Uh, uh, so uh, I just wasn't wasn't buying it, Jim, <laughs> as sorry. it were. Jim, see that there you yeah, go. Yeah. But I was I was uh, happy to to get paid, and you know, I basic basically they rented a truck, and it happened to come with a truck driver who could sort of act, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So uh, for me. Yeah. So you said that you did a, a score for for a film, uh, and you mm-hmm. said you're in the you're in the music business. So was that yeah. uh, was that your first? Is that like your your love uh, music? Yeah, I, that's primarily what I did. I uh, uh, was in the composition business for years doing uh, industrial film scoring and small films and uh, you know commercials and that sort of stuff. I did uh, Mongrel for Bob and uh, a couple of other little films for people, but uh, and I owned a recording studio for 25 years here in Austin. And, uh, oh, wow. you know, that's that's what I did until about, oh, 90, I guess. Uh, no, yeah, 90, 90, 92, and I started writing software then because it was easier to do <laughs> than trying to sell music. That's uh-huh. too much competition in town. Yeah, that's interesting. So, how, how did you get into, into writing software? It's just like composition; you just get paid more. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So I mean, I, it uh, is. It, 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 mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just you going. I was just going to say that I did uh, read that you have a connection to Janis Joplin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, again, Austin was a little town, you know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, Janice was uh, here. I was here. We'd go to parties. We knew each other well. And uh, it uh, was uh, what what is the music scene now? It was not the music scene then. It was much more tiny, you know, kind of a folky scene and um, very um, just. Uh, how can I describe it? It was it was accessible to anybody that wanted to participate. And when Janice, uh, my oldest buddy, is a guy that took her to San Francisco the second time she went out there and basically formed uh, the band Big Brother with her. And then me and my band, we moved out there in 68 and uh, kind of poked around with that for a bit. And... Uh, Eventually, uh, uh, went to see Janice a couple of times. I think I even uh, auditioned for a, a bass player part in Big Brother at one point when they were looking for a replacement and uh, didn't get the slot. But, you know, everybody was in San Francisco then. Really, basically, everybody that was in Austin kind of moved to San Francisco at about the same time. And we stayed out there about four years. Came back in seventy-two or so, seventy-three, somewhere in there. What kind of music were you playing? Well, you know, it was original music. Mm-hmm. It it has has since been termed psychedelic. Okay, but but it was you know um, sort of a quasi combination of uh, a little folky a little bluesy and a little dopey, you know? So I don't know if you know the, the elevators, which were a 13 floor elevators were a big band. Uh, and that time here in Austin, and we played with them a lot together. And we were sort of the, the two psychedelic bands that sort of uh, flowed into the San Francisco scene. Our manager uh, ran one of the big clubs in uh, San Francisco, there was a Fillmore and then the Avalon, and our guy ran the Avalon. 
and uh, it was uh, so it's rock and roll, but it was a, sort of eclectic rock and roll, you know. Now you said the the, the music was termed psychedelic. Uh, were you into psychedelics mm-hmm. at the Were you into psychedelics at the time? Into psychedelics? Yeah, like uh, drugs at the time. Oh hell yeah! Drugs. I yeah. mean, it was a sure. time. Huh? It, that's what the I was just saying that you know at the time pretty much I would think uh, most musicians would be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, mescaline was very common here. You could go to a plant store in San Antonio and buy you know bushels of peyote buds and, and make your own uh, psychedelic uh, drug. You know, we were taking stuff before LSD was even really invented or, or popularized, I guess it was invented back in the forties, but before um, anybody knew about LSD, we were doing an equivalent uh, uh, hallucinogen, which was uh, peyote. And it was, you know, free. I mean, it was not only free, it was legal because the government hadn't uh, figured out that somebody's having too much fun <laughs> for, no, for no good reason. Uh, would you say, because uh, some people uh, say it does, it doesn't, would you say that uh, psychedelics at the time helped with um, creativity? Oh, I don't know about that. I think it, yes, it, it help is a fair word. I suppose you could say it helped. It also kind of, you know, distracts. <laughs> so I remember doing a lot of gigs kind of facing my amp and not really paying attention to the people in the audience. You know, so. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, it, 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 like any kind of um, uh, psychoactive uh, substance, be it, you know, alcohol or a pot or anything else, it, uh, it, it frees inhibitions, you know, mm-hmm. loosens you up. So yeah, I, I'd say it could, could aid creativity sure mm-hmm. so um how long did you uh play in, in, in uh bands before you started to do more of uh uh doing scores and music for for advertisements mm-hmm. and stuff well we started really in 65 and i'd say pretty much the last gig i did was 78 we played with the uh, meters we were an opening act for the meters at a club in Austin here, and that was the last on-stage performance for me. Some of the other guys in the band kept on playing, but that was it for me. Mm-hmm. Did you ever miss that? 10, 12 years. No. Uh-uh. No. I'm, I'm, it, much, my personality is much more suited to uh, sort of um, introspective uh, thought. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not really a big performer, per se. Some might say a big fool, but that's a different uh, issue. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, actually, at, at that time, and at that time in Austin, um, uh-huh. uh, how were uh, was there was there a lot of racism at that time, or or yeah, sure. I don't know, was it like uh, you know? I mean, it, w- were we in America? Sure, of course. But <laughs> right. you know, I mean, uh, uh, probably less than some places. Certainly, I mean, I. No, nobody was getting uh, beat over the head or mm-hmm. set on fire or buried in, you know, roadside ditches and all the other kind of horrible 
crap that happened in, uh, through the South and and in you know some parts of uh, uh, the country. But yeah, I mean, racism is is alive and well today. I mean, there's no uh, there's no uh, major uh, center of it. It's just you know how people choose to interact and what they think about uh, each other is manifest in uh, different levels of racism in my view but it you know it's you deal with it if you don't get hurt you can move ahead if you if you uh, learn that that's sort of uh, what the culture is putting in front of you then then deal with it you know mm-hmm. I bought specifically in the music business in the music business oh, no not really I mean I think uh I think that uh, musicians kind of get a pass from a lot of things because uh, there's a certain, um, I don't know how to put it, uh, yeah, simply put. No, I, I, I didn't feel like I was denied a chance to perform or play uh, because of some racist structure. I mean, basically people that are drawn to creative endeavors don't typically come with attitudes that are exclusionary or, or, uh, uh, close minded. You know, it's much more likely to be the case, you know, on the, uh, on the line in Detroit as to whether you get, you know, uh, promoted if you did a good job, or you don't, you know, because somebody else is, uh, you know, a different race or something, you know. But in art, I, I, I don't think there's much room for it or much uh, appetite for it. But, you know, you, somebody else might say otherwise. You know, I don't know. Sure, sure. You can only speak for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, later on, after uh, after Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, you have a, a cameo in part two in, in the chili cook-off. Yeah. Uh, so how, uh, how did how did that come about? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told, I have no idea. Uh, it took it took my manager to point it out to me. I didn't even remember. <laughs> I, I and you I just thought it was him. a chill. You thought you were really a judge in a, in a chili <laughs> cook <cook-off>. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I wasn't quite that out of it. <laughs> I didn't remember it. Yeah, and and I was I told I was telling Tim about it. Uh, you know, a couple, three years ago. And he didn't remember me being in it. And I'm pretty sure it was him that that asked me to be in it. I, I know it wasn't Toby, but it could have been somebody acting for one of them. But the point is, they didn't remember. I didn't remember. And, and Sal just happened to see me one day watching a thing, and he called me and asked me, was I in it? I said, no, I don't think so. Okay. You know, no. <laughs> So funny, yeah. Uh, that's well, pretty cameos cool. are us, I guess. <laughs> I like it. So, did you keep in touch with any of the uh, of the other actors after you did Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, no, not at all, not at all. I I, I saw Ed around town over the years because he had a little storefront and was selling uh, posters and stuff, uh, and it was near my studio, just down the street from my studio, and. I'd see him occasionally just walking by. I'd walk by his place 
But uh, Gunner, you know, was pretty much, he wasn't here that much. He moved. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know Marilyn or uh, Terry at all, except I knew Marilyn in the film, but I didn't know Terry. And I really didn't have any any interaction with any of the people until uh, uh, I started uh, doing the uh, the uh, conventions, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was after uh, another cameo in uh, in Butcher Boys or whatever it's called yeah, now that Dwayne I did for Dwayne uh, uh, and Justin. Oh God, I'm getting their names wrong. Uh, Wayne Gray's and Justin Meeks. There you go. There you go. And they are responsible for me uh, getting involved in any of this. They uh, said, "Oh man, you should, uh, you should, uh, you know, go to one of these conventions. People would love to meet you." And I thought, well, I don't know why, but sure. <laughs> and uh, they got me in touch with um, with uh, uh, Lloyd at uh, Texas Nightmare uh, yeah. Weekend, and uh, I went up there and did that show there. It was the first one I did, and I was just stunned at, at the enthusiasm and interest in people from all over the world interested in uh, talking. And it was uh, quite exciting, and that was really when I saw again for the first time in you know, 20 or 30 years, uh, Gunner and uh, Ed, mm-hmm. they were both there at that show. So uh, go- going into that, did you have like a certain mindset, like, you know, what are horror movie fans going to be like? And w- was it uh, different than you expected? No, I, I I didn't. Again, just because I, I have a history with sort of that dynamic between uh, personality and fan, you know. I know I understand how, how that works, so I, I had no presumptions about how they'd be or what they'd be but what i was astounded by was how nice engaging interested enthusiastic friendly you know just uh really welcoming they were uh to a to a man you know i i thought everybody was really cool and and that didn't surprise me as much as it pleased me that there were so many people. I mean, there were guys there that came from Germany and uh, England, uh, Japan. It's just astounded me uh, just to uh, sort of meet the, the folks that were there. And I was among them. Yeah, just uh, myself, not that I've been in a movie thing, but 2011 or 2012, I started doing uh, the, the conventions. And uh, mm-hmm. I was very... Uh, Maybe not even surprised right word either, but it's very cool that there's, you know, there's all different kinds of horror movie fans. Some you would just tell by looking at them they'd be a horror movie fan, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and some. Mm-hmm. But everyone all had this, has a, a common love, and the, like you said, welcoming. Everyone's is very accepting of everybody in the horror community. Yeah, and uh, that's yeah, what I, I really liked about cool. the conventions. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So you're gonna go uh, to Nightmare uh, next week. Yeah, I'll be there. I've been. This will be my uh, third one. Uh, two years ago, I got sick, so I couldn't go to that one. But uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'll be there. And, uh, I like I like so, to go. Uh, I like to go to Texas and I like to eat some uh, good good barbecue and stuff around there. What were you gonna say? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, so, what do you do there? Just go as a fan, or will you have a presence, a business presence, or what? 
Uh, well, some conventions I have a booth. I won't at, at that one, but uh, I will be going uh-huh. around doing. Uh, I will be doing interviews and uh, and covering the event with videos cool. and whatnot. Cool. So yeah. hopefully, in the, hopefully, I'll, well, I'll, no, I'm sure I'll meet you there. I know you'll yeah, be oh, with, yeah. with the STX Media guys. Mm-hmm. So uh, how did you? Uh, yeah. Do you know? Actually, do you know of any good? I know you're in Austin, but do you know any good barbecue uh, in the Dallas area? Uh, in a word, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a terrible barbecue snub. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I'm sure there's some good ones there. Sure. There used to be a place called Sunny Bryant's, uh, which uh, was very popular uh, in Dallas, and you know I think it was pretty good as as places go. Um. I, uh, but really, I mean, Central Texas is, is where I think the really good ones are. And, and they are, uh, a number of little towns that have that, uh, tradition set up mm-hmm. in Lockhart and Luling and Elgin and, uh, Lexington. There, there are a bunch of places around Austin. Now, of course, there's two or three places in Austin. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, I, I I just I don't know. I can do a little research for you though. Oh, I love to have sounds, a man eat good barbecue. Yeah, and I'd love to eat some. So the, <laughs> <laughs> are you staying in that? Are you staying in the same place that we all are? Uh, I normally do, but I was a little late getting the uh, sold out. So uh, I'm staying in a nearby hotel though uh, with a friend okay. of mine. Uh, but, uh, I, I just uh, asked because you need mobility in that big of an area. Yeah. You gotta. Drive yeah, he's, he's got he's got a car with him. Yeah, that's the thing with Texas. Ooh. I remember the first time we went, we were like, "Oh, we're gonna go to all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre locations," and then you look them up. <laughs> it's like, well, it's four yeah. hours this way. And then, you know, that's right. Like, well, I guess that's right. Yeah. It's not. I live in Massachusetts, yeah. so it's up to Massachusetts. Oh, is that where that, you are? Yeah, so it's not that far. We're, if I. Yeah. I, I'm where, on the Cape. Where in, where in Massachusetts? Uh, Cape where? Cod. Cape Cod. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oddly enough, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I spent a lot of time with Gunner at a convention once because we were we we're both from this area, and uh, yep. we roast. And there was a there was a storm, and they, so our both our flights were delayed for hours. So, event it was a, the Monday after the convention. So eventually, we're the only two people there, and he, you know, he's very nice. He bought me Chinese food, and we talked for a long time, and. Uh, I always say Cape Cod because I'm in a little town called Sandwich, and I normally don't say that because no one has ever heard of Sandwich. But he knew where it was, sure. and he used to uh, he used to work on like a, a boat, like a fishing boat uh, that would come yeah. in, the, in the Sandwich in, uh, in the canal. And I was like, wow, it's really uh, really weird uh, coincidence. Yeah. Well, you know, he 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 kind of, although he didn't didn't talk about it that much, you know, he he definitely identified with his with his. Viking uh, ancestry and the uh, the ocean and and fishing and and being on the sea is a, was a big part of his uh, his ethos of his uh, persona, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought he talked a lot about being on the boats, and I think it was you know till later when his his knees get kind of because a lot of the guys you know the knees get bad, and then uh, then he couldn't you know <laughs> yeah eat as much. You'll you'll see me limping around when we meet. Well, sorry about that. Yeah, well, you know, as they say in the business, shit happens. You know? 
I do want to mention that I said it briefly, but you will be with the XT, uh, STX Media guys at Texas Frightmare next week. You betcha. Booth 162, table 162, something like that. Yeah, and your movie uh, is going to, um, Deviant Behavior is going to play Midnight on, on Friday. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I play a sour, uh, kind of uh, grubby uh, denizen of the back alleys. Uh, has a little bit of, uh, may have a little bit of information about the mystery of the movie. So uh, it's a, a good part, I thought. Sal and Jacob did me well. Mm-hmm. Short, looking, but uh, it worked. Well, I'm looking forward well to within that. my acting skills. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, how did you uh, how did you get in contact with those guys, or how did they get in contact with you? Really uh, helped me out, taking care of me, and. Uh, Oh, I know. We did a show in uh, in uh, Corpus, and they invited me to the show in Corpus, and uh, we talked about uh, working together there. And it was a uh, it, it was a uh, I wouldn't say a terribly successful convention. Uh, it was primarily a anim- uh, cosplay uh, thing with a little bit of horror thrown in. And so we had a lot of time to sort of talk and get to know each other. And uh, uh, that's sort of where we started working together. It's quite a few years ago now. But, um, yeah, he's he's really been uh, helpful. He and Jacob have gotten me uh, sort of um, focused in some good spots. So we're having fun so far. <laughs> Well, I look forward to a meeting you and hope everyone uh, comes out and uh, and does the same. I think it'll be good. Yeah. I look forward to it. It's a return to the first one I ever did, so I'm I'm very excited about that and I think it's a really well produced and well uh well attended yeah. uh show and uh you know, party down. <laughs> very good. Well, I'll see you there. And uh, thank you for doing this. It's been, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. My pleasure. Thank you much. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have The tomb of Nick Cage. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. All right, and I'm back here at the station of decapitation without your head, and uh, yeah, I'm still nasty deal. So a uh, huge thanks to the guest tonight, Gigi Saul Guerrero. Uh, really great to talk with her. Um, we had set this up a couple years ago, actually, when um, Eligante had come out. And for whatever reason, we didn't get it uh, worked out. Uh, and my actually, now I'm clicking back on it. I think it might have been when I got sick. Uh, so it didn't work out. But uh, Keys Williams, a new, new member here of the Facebook community, and without your head, uh, she demanded it, and it, it came to fruition. And honestly, not just because she was on, Gigi, but 
I uh, I had seen Aligante before, and I, I thought it was it was great. And I saw um, a couple of the ones from um, <clears throat> from Crypt TV, and I always thought they were great. But uh, when I sat down last night, and I really watched all of all of her stuff, um, the stuff from from Luchagor Productions. Uh, I just love it. It's um, it's got all the stuff I like. It's got uh, it's got a lot of gore. Um, it's it looks fun, even though uh, I can't necessarily say that they're. I find them fun, but I mean a lot of the stuff is dark. Uh, but in my opinion, high production uh, values. I know uh, they're independent, they're small budget, but uh, they're filmed really well. The sounds great. All the gore looks cool. It's uh, this gritty, grimy stuff, and uh, I just dig it. So really looking forward to anything that uh, that she has coming out. And if you're not familiar, I really hope uh, you enjoyed the interview and you would go and check out uh, some of her work. And uh, Ed Gwynn, uh, really fun to talk with Ed uh, from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I uh, get some good stories uh, out of Ed, and I'm looking forward to meeting Ed. And I hope everyone... Uh, comes out to Texas Frightmare Weekend coming up next week in Dallas. And if Ed doesn't come through with Good Barbecue, maybe some of you people out there, you know, the Good Barbecue places in Dallas. Doesn't have to be barbecue. Could be some Tex-Mex. I want to get a big-ass steak. Uh, any cool, good food in the, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Can be a you know a little ways out. I mean, not something that's five hour drive or something, but you know, within reason. Let the nasty one know because the nasty one he loves horror movies, but he also likes to eat. And my boy Jason Mitten will be there, and uh, his boy Jeff Ball will be there. So uh, we'll have a good time. Jeff's a good guy. Met him a few times. So we're hey, really looking forward to a Texas Frightmare weekend. Um, it is very sad this year because every year i've gone i met uh ebony ebony strange uh caller on the show huge supporter one of our favorite you know members of the um the community and as i'm sure most of you know uh she was shot and killed uh the day after christmas and it's just uh you know real tragedy um the people who run uh texas freight Frightmare. They uh, they're bringing out her family, her uh, her son, her um, the uh, the father of her son, and her mom. Uh, it's very nice of them, but uh, yeah, huge loss. Uh, even if you you know not a horror fan, just a senseless loss. You know, thirty year old uh, woman shot when she went to get she went to get her car uh, to bring it out front to pick up her mom and her son. And someone tried to rob her and shot her and uh, killed her. Uh, you know, just senseless. So uh, this will be a bittersweet Texas Frightmare. Uh, I'll have a great time. But uh, you know, closer to get some more, I, you know, I think about one that long ago that, uh, that she was passed away and she won't be here this year or any, you know, year in the future. But, uh, but anyway, looking forward to a Texas Frightmare. And rest in peace, Ebony. Also, big thanks to uh, Deathwood, our music of the month here on Without Your Head. Uh, excellent uh, tunes, Italian horror punk rockers. And uh, I believe this will be, the, unless, there, unless an interview here pops up before next week, this will be their final week on the show. And a uh, big thanks to them. I'm sure we'll, we'll play their music down the road, though. 
Um, there's always a link on the shows, by the way. I want you guys to uh, sign up for the uh, Without Your Head Podcast Network email. And uh, what happens is probably every week, or if some other you know news item uh, about about the Without Your Head pops up, you get more than a week, maybe. Uh, but every week it'll keep you up to date with what's going on without your head. You know, uh, who's on the live show, uh, recent podcast interviews, uh, new merchandise, uh, maybe contests, you know, with without your head, all different things. So uh, subscribe to that because even if you're part of the group or you go to without your head regularly, you know, sometimes you sometimes you forget you're only human. So you get a nice uh, email reminder and uh, some cool stuff. And as time goes on, maybe we'll uh, we'll beef that up and a- add some stuff. I'm open to suggestions, too. If you have any ideas of what to include in that, you can message me on Facebook or email me at withoutyourhead at gmail.com. So I had mentioned um, uh, Jason Mitten. He is the headless critic. So you go over to Without Your Head, and there's tons of watching movies reviews by Jason. He uh, he's really knocking them out of the park. He uh, watches everything and reviews it. Excuse me. So you're gonna see a lot of uh, you know a lot of independent stuff, but then there's some you know uh, the big movies at the theaters right now. Currently, uh, you know, just up this week is uh, Your Flesh, Your Curse, which uh, he told me he thought I would really like. Cartel 2045, Revenge. Gehenna, Where Death Lives, Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell, which you can also listen to the interview with uh, Michael Gross, just put up yesterday, uh, A Quiet Place, and Truth or Dare, some, you know, uh, big-time films. Uh, I just saw Revenge recently, and I'd asked a group, I'll go over this in a little bit, was um, what people's take on uh, the rape and revenge subgenre. And... Uh, I remember when I when I hosted the uh, the Human Centipede Film Fest. It was all three of them, and uh, in between two of the movies, these these guys came up and they were promoting you know the upcoming uh, uh, film festival. They were doing a, a rape and revenge film festival, and uh, I couldn't help but feel a little weird because they had, they had big smiles on their face talking about these rape and revenge movies, and. Uh, <clears throat> I don't judge people. I watch some crazy stuff. I've watched many movies that, that have uh, rape in them. But it's, uh, it, I don't know, it, it still made me uneasy. And you ask myself, Nasty Neil, why do you feel weird? Because, I mean, you're a big fan of a Serbian film. The human uh, centipede film, Solo. I mean, some really, you know, uh, bizarre stuff. Some really dark, nasty stuff. So why would you judge these people? And it probably is unfair, so... I asked, you know, our group what they think of these movies, and I'll go over some of the answers here in a little bit. But uh, this newest movie, Revenge, is, you know, a uh, traditional rape-revenge film about a, a woman who's raped and then uh, comes back and gets her revenge. Uh, very well done. Uh, great acting in the movie. Uh, great gore effects. Uh, it's really four characters, and everyone really does their part. Uh, I think there's um, they don't show the rape. But I think it's very powerful nonetheless. Uh, I think a powerful part of 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 the the rape in this uh, particular movie is uh, someone walks in right when it's you know about to happen, and you can see the look in her eye. You know, asking she doesn't verbally ask for help, but you can see it in her. And the guy, you know, he's debating it in his head. You can see that, and he decides, you know, 
to walk away. And uh, I think uh, that's a very real moment. And that's there's terror in, in that realism. And so, anyways, an excellent movie. I, I recommend Revenge. It was playing at Boston Underground Film Festival. But um, that night, I was at the karaoke. You're thinking, nasty deal. Why the hell did you go do karaoke instead of watch these movies? But I watched tons of movies, and I needed a little break. And I went and sang some uh, <clears throat> Monster Mash. So it was a fantastic time, but I was glad uh, I got to see Revenge. And I hope uh, people check that out, because I think it's a, it's a good movie. So my personal take, uh, take on uh, Rape Revenge, it's not like I seek out, like, man, I really want to see a Rape Revenge film. I've seen many of them. Uh, I think some of them work, some of them don't, just like any subgenre. Um, to me, nothing's really off limits in, in a horror movie. So as long as uh, you have something original and something new to say, I think uh, go for it. That's my opinion on it. It's not like I seek them out. I'm like, man, I, you know, gotta go to uh, rape a mania or something. But yeah. So let's see here. Oh, rape, uh, rape revenge here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull this up. I asked people over on the on the group. Let me get some of the comments. So I'll do this every once in a while. Ask you know a question to everybody, and it's nice to have uh, some interaction. And then we'll talk about it here on the show. So uh, if you're listening, go to facebook.com slash group slash without yet horror and join the group. And if you already are a member of the group, go to the group and uh, start commenting on stuff, post some stuff, uh, interact with all this. So here we go. Uh, Renee Mercedes says, uh, depends on the film, not a genre at the top of my list. Vanessa Evans says, I don't like rape, but I don't mind the revenge. Uh, Boney Boneyard. Okay with the rape if there's revenge. So you know, that's kind of like the idea. Like the idea is like if you if you are going to have something like that, uh, you have to have uh, the the rapist uh, get their comeuppance, which is very weird. Because not to say weird, because it's a to- it, it is something that you sh- you you would think you would want. But in horror movies, there was a time where, or in all movies, you had to have a happy ending. You had to have the hero win. And I think as time has gone on, you know, that's been chipped away and some hardcore horror fans, not everyone. I think some people still have that, that kind of mindset, but you, you're okay with if the, if the villain gets away. So it is interesting that I think if someone put up, let's say have a rule in all horror movies where the killer always has to get killed. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the, uh, the majority of horror fans would be against that. But it is interesting to, I think, if you said uh, the reverse of that. Well, not the reverse, but if you said about the same thing about rape. I think uh, I think the majority would be for that. So it is interesting that um, people are okay with a killer um, getting away with it. Now, this is all within movies. I don't, I don't think people would be cool with an actual killer. But uh, it is interesting that uh, rape is uh, seen... Worse than murder. Um, Missy Mooney is not about it. Casey Bates uh, does like a couple of them. Miss 45. And the uh, Spit on Your Grave remake. But overall not a fan. Andrew Valley. I'll give them a chance. But rape uh, scenes bother me. They, they can, I mean, uh, you know, as a, as a moviegoer, they are more disturbing than, than watching a murder scene. And why is that? It's the question you ask people. 
I think it's because it's more. Um, hmm. I mean, obviously, if you if you murdered, you lose your life. But I think uh, the rape is more degrading, more personal. Uh, Tracy Hillard, I think it's lazy way to get a scare. Matt Perry, not really about those types of movies, precisely because I have to watch the rape, uh, degradation, uh, degradation before the the retribution starts. Uh, Angie Zuit, hate them. I hate any movie with rape in it. I don't care if they get revenge or not. Uh, Keys Williams, best rape revenge that was tastefully done. American Mary, that's a very good movie. Uh, Jason Bitten, Toes Out Deliverance, excellent film. Straw Dogs, uh, one of my favorites. Last House on the Left, I Spit on Your Grave, American Mayor, Mary, Revenge, all good ones. Uh, Barry Domini, I love it when those bastards pay the price for their horrific actions. Uh, Marty says it's lame. Taint Kirk says run, bitch, run. Jeff Ball says that he and uh, Jason actually wrote a script for one. Andrew Barbarash, I'm not sure what he was asked. He says, uh, as in a legit film where this happens, or movies about those subjects. I'm not, I don't know if he's watching, like, snuff films or what's going on. Mike Derry, uh, he's afraid he's going to be incriminating, incriminated, so he doesn't want to say. Alan Albertson, if it's a well-done film, I'll watch it. If the rape is just for cheap thrills, I'll pass. Even the good ones sometimes, I won't watch again. See, uh, I'm also on the belief that a movie doesn't have to make you feel good to, to be a good movie. Uh, lots of, I mean, it really depends what type of your mood you're in. Um, not that you'd be like the mood I want to watch you rape or something, but um, I've always had the belief that if a movie makes you feel something, it's uh, it's it's worth something. Uh, lots of movies that I like don't make me feel. I don't feel like good watching a Serbian film uh, or. Uh, Human Centipede 2 or Salo or something, but they do make you feel disturbed, and um, that's an emotion, not necessarily a uh, a positive emotion. But I think if some type of worker of art does uh, make you feel something, I think uh, that is something to say about the art. And you know, not always you want to watch it. Sometimes you just want to, you know, have escapism. Uh, Russell Neal, if done right, they can be great little pieces of film. Michael J. Epstein. In terms of recent movies, Revenge looks good. Otherwise, I'm over. It's a cheap and lazy character motivation from a writing perspective. I'm even more over, uh, quote, sad that their kid died as character development. That's even more cheap and lazy and has replaced uh, rape scenes since the 70s for women's motivations in film. But sexual assault, a shortcut, is very tired. Come up with a new idea, people. You can do it. I agree with that. I agree with that um, for anything. Uh, but at the same time, you can take some of uh, some something that has been done a lot of times and add, do it in a new way. So it's always possible. Like uh, zombie movies, uh, they've been done to death, but every once in a while, one pops up that does something original, and it's cool. Ron Chulio, it's already been done. Uh, Stephen Butler, I like revenge movies where the bad guy gets their comeuppance. Juju B says it's fun times. P.J. Stark says, I kind of feel like the subgenre has said about all it has to say. Jerry Ventetta, enjoy the subgenre. Some really good movies came out of it. I always enjoy Balls to the Wall horror movie where nothing or no one is safe. 
<clears throat> Susan Jones, I like some spit on your grave, irreversible straw dogs. New ones are just revisited scripts of already made ones. Copied ideas. I like the movie if it's a good script. Acting, SFX. If it hasn't, I won't watch it. Most movies, mainstream cinema, are unoriginal. Very true. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Mike Yalsa's Big Driver was good. Susan Jones brings up newborn porn. And, uh, uh, you know, um, there is no really revenge. Well, there's revenge on the particular characters in <clears throat> a Serbian film, but uh, overall, everyone is screwed. Literally. Duck Nixon makes me uncomfortable. And I know victims of sexual assault, and I would not want them set off by showing them a rape. Uh, that being said, people are allowed to make and watch the films they want. I just choose myself not to watch them. Mandy, loads of crappy things have happened to me personally. I'm all for watching films where the scumbag gets their comeuppance. Eric Aniks, I'm not a fan of drawn-out cruelty movies in general. Torture, home invasion. You know, I'm not really a big fan of home invasion movies, just because I don't think many of them are very good. I do like Straw Dogs. So. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, I'm really, I'm generally fine with uh, rape revenge films when they're done right. It's always nice uh, when other elements are introduced. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the rape, the, the vine rape scene in, in the original Evil Dead. Uh, let's see. That, that was nasty. Neil was thrown in his two cents. Aaron Broyles. Uh, sorry, not a Dane Cook fan. Johnny Danger, Deadly Rape is bad. Revenge is good. Jennifer Otto, no. Matt Frazier, not my thing. Russ Kitt says it's his favorite genre. Patricia, Patricia Noonan uh, would never watch a rape film. Revenge, no to that either. Uh, Chris Kane actually loved the pinpoint genre. Uh, the victim goes through terrible things, but comes out a uh, new beast in the end. I spit in your grave. I love them all. My wife even seems uh, sees the empowering aspects of the revenge, which more than often, more than more often than not, is creative as hell. Uh, Dean Knowles, so there have to be revenge after a rape to make it okay. Uh, do you have, is, that, is the only way you can enjoy a rape movie if uh, if there is revenge? Or do you just have to say that in fear that you look like a fan of rape? Interesting. Interesting. Uh, as he says, I'm no fan of heroin or dead babies, but I sure love train spawn. Fair, fair enough. Jason Shepard, I mostly avoid movies with rape scenes. I know what happens in real life, but I don't care to see it. Worst film for me I've ever seen would probably be Irreversible in a Serbian film. And Denise um, Mopin says, yeah, I'm not in this kind of movie, nor would be comfortable watching it. So, fair enough, everybody. And again, Keys reiterates that American Mary is the best rape uh, revenge film. So I think that's enough rape here for today. So. Off the, we're going to get off the rape now here without your head. The rest of the show will be rape-free. Um, so I saw that there's some posters out here that people are talking about. Uh, the other week, the, the Halloween poster came out, and people were, like, pissed. And they didn't really see why. I, I, I dug it. I thought it was uh, simple. It was uh, Michael Myers. He's looking older and pensive. I liked it. It makes me want to see more. It makes me want to see 
where it's going, which I think is what a poster is supposed to do. So I'm thinking, why are you people complaining? Well, now I'm going to be the complainer. Unless I saw the Suspiria poster, it's horrible. It doesn't have, it doesn't make me interested. In fact, if I just saw that, I would just look away. Not out of disgust. It's, just, it's not interest whatsoever. And as someone who does like some graphics for the, for the website and whatnot, uh, it's, it looks like it would take you about five minutes. Like they found a, ver a very terrible S uh, font, threw it up on a uh, on like a stone background. You set it to multiply, or screen, or uh, layover. Make it red. Bam! That's it. Puts put like get it like a. Uh, one, uh, you know, go download like on DeviantArt uh, a brush for blood spatter, put a couple dots, and that's it. It's just, it's not good. It's very, it's very poor. It's not even a good S. It's like if you were going to go out and do some graffiti, you want people to know what the hell you did. That's just like this, it's like a worm. Bad. It's bad times. So I did not like that. But I was happy to see the glass. Uh, the glass poster. This is... Think about glass. I mean, this is a movie that's been built for years. You had Unbreakable, which introduced Mr. Glass and uh, and Bruce Willis' character. And then you had this big surprise twist ending in Split, which made it a sequel to... Unbreakable and an origin story for supervillain. So it was really genius. It was M. Night Shyamalan, you know, back on, on form after you know years of misses. And it puts out a really uh really well-made movie. Even without that, I would have loved it. But the addition of that really does make it genius. And uh you're why to, to think you're watching an origin film without you knowing when you're going in, that's that's really smart because otherwise you know, if it is like, if it tells you up front they're establishing a character, you know, a character is going to make it. You know, a lot of things, you know, going in, there'll be another one and stuff. But going in, you had no, you had no idea that's connected to anything. And so it was very cool. And then the idea of, uh, you know, a third one now, where they're all in it, and it really is, I mean, we're in the age of the superhero. And this is sort of like what The Watchmen was when it came out as, as a graphic novel. This is taking the superhero genre and asking, you know, what if, what if this was real? And so this is like, you know, a, a realistic uh, take on the superheroes. So it's very cool and supervillain stuff. Looking forward to it. A lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to be said there. A uh, big, uh, a big thank you. And I want everyone to give this man some love. Chris Kane is on the Without Your Head team now. And he's helping out with uh, with news, so supplying the nasty one here with some uh, with some talking points on the show, and a terrible one he's here. Ter uh, by the way, Troy's not here tonight because he went to see uh, the new Avengers with our mom. Uh, he's a huge you know uh, comic book fan. He has a Thanos tattoo way before Thanos was ever in the movie. So I understand. Everyone, give him a, give him cut him some slack here. For uh, for not being here, but uh, I've heard it was fantastic. He loved it. 
great. Uh, so anyway, I'll let everyone know, Amazon, Without Your Head is now officially on Amazon. So we're going to put up some links on the website. There's some on Facebook. Uh, a lot of cool t-shirts. Uh, we have the Without Your Head logo uh, just released today. Well, the Without Your Head logo and the uh, regular decapitated Without Your Head coffee logo. Uh, just out today is the... I'm going to announce it here first. I don't think I even posted a picture yet. The Nasty Neil shirts, right? You can get an official Nasty Neil t-shirt. If you always wanted me on your chest, now is your time. Nasty Neil t-shirt. It's pretty sweet. Uh, comic book logo, awesome uh, shirt. I actually have one of those myself. This is a vintage one, so it looks kind of old and worn. And there's also a line uh, by Connor Frazier, a former guest, former co-host, and uh, director who I designed a line of German expressionist horror. So there's a Caligari, Nosferatu, and the Golem shirt. So all that stuff is up on Amazon. And it's all free shipping with Amazon Prime. Uh, for right now, it's only sent in the United States. So if you live in another country and you want one, just send me a message. And if you're willing to pay the shipping, we will hook you up. So get to that. So let's see here. Uh, sequel's coming out. Uh, there's talks that uh, since it's been such a huge success, uh, Quiet Place 2 looks like it is in the works. So uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, I don't want to give anything away about it, but you know, all the characters might not be able to come back. Uh, I think you could definitely do a sequel. I think you'd have to expand the universe of it a bit, which you know could be done. It's interesting because uh, Quiet Place is doing so well, not just at the box office, but critically. Very few people are not uh, digging it. And a Wolf Creek 3. Uh, I'm not... I was never a big fan of Wolf Creek. Remember, there was a lot of buzz behind it. I wasn't really into it. And I've never seen the sequel. But uh, I know a lot of people really dig them. Uh, coming up uh, to Netflix, we have uh, Lake Terrace is coming up on, uh, on April 15th, Friend Request April 18th, and on the 25th, Psychokinetics, Psychokinesis, I'm sorry, will be, all those uh, new horror movies will be available on Netflix. So uh, that's always good to know, because I'm always in the search, you know, you're on, you watch some streaming stuff. You want to know, like, what new horror stuff's coming out. Now you know, so keep an eye out for those movies. Uh, Bloody Disgusting is uh, saying that they're making a new Doom movie. Uh, I, I, I gotta be honest. The last Doom movie I thought was just The Pits. And there, there really aren't... Are there any good movies based on video games. I know Rampage right now is doing really well. I have not seen it, so I can't comment. My mom was a big fan of it, but I'm not always a fan of movies my mom likes, but uh, she really enjoyed it. But overall, I would say that the vast majority of video game movies are not good. So I don't, I can't say I have much interest in a new Doom movie, but I was also never into the shooting games. The more old school, like Pitfall. I'm an Atari 2600 player. I'm not that old. But, uh, but I, I, this is true. I stopped playing video games after Ocarina of Time 
on the N64 is my last system. So, uh, but I never got into shooting games. I had very bad eyesight and they used to give me headaches. I think that's a big reason why I, uh, I never got into it. So, let's see what's coming up here. This week in horror. Uh, this week, in 1983, The Hunger came out. So, it turns 35 this week. And Tales from the Crypt. Turns 29 June 10th. We're away. We're a little away from that. But um, this year, though, um, Planet of the Apes and 2001 A Space Odyssey turned 50. Damn. It's a long time ago. Let's see here. What other news do we got? Uh, are you afraid of the dark? Um, I'm a little, I think Are You Afraid of the Dark came out a little bit after I was, you know, young enough to watch it. But I know a lot of people really dig it. So, uh, there are te- there's teases for 2019 release, Are You Afraid of the Dark? So people, uh, I know a lot of people love it, so good for them. Uh, and it's official, John Carpenter is going to score Halloween. Now, he originally said he would. But uh, he had to give his stamp of approval first. So apparently that means that he likes us now. Uh, there's all this stuff out here about Halloween. Last week, websites uh, were reporting that there was a test screening and that the fans hated it. And, and then John Carpenter said, there's, no, there's, no, there's never a test screening. There's not even uh, like a draft of the movie done. There's not even a rough cut of the movie. How could we have a screening? So that means John Carpenter. I figure that guy's going to know. He knows the deal. He's John fucking Carpenter. And so I just assumed, you know, that was right. So I started talking about it. So these people are posting this, you know, this bullshit. And did they just make it up? Or is it just a copy and paste kind of deal? Which I think is a copy and paste. Deal. So anyway... Then I saw some people posting that people liked it at the test screen. So, but then I have to admit, someone sent me some some evidence that that there was a test screening, but everyone there had to sign, uh, you know, a no. Uh, they couldn't talk about it. I forget the name of it. It's a clause we can't talk. Don't do not discuss DNA. And so, um, yeah. And so, uh, I don't know. That's why they had to take it down, because they had to sign the thing. So, who knows? Maybe there was a test screening. Either way, someone out there is fibbing. But I have this to say. Test screen or not, I'm looking forward to the new Halloween. I want to see it. So, test screeners be damned. And who the hell knows is the test screen? Maybe a bunch of J-Brones. So screw them. Uh, sad news. Ash for the Evil Dead canceled. I think a lot of people know. And then, uh, but Bruce Campbell has come out. And he said he's retiring Ash. This is the end. Even, you know, I guess even because there's talks about trying to get it on Netflix, which to me would just be perfect. That's a perfect uh, place for it. But he's saying that's it. That's the end of the road for Ash. It's very sad. It's very sad. I love the show. 
you know, I, I know I said there was some stuff, which I stand by. I mean, it's not, it wasn't perfect. I do think it was a little repetitive, but overall, I loved it. I love, I love the fact that I could see, you know, this really over the top gory TV show, you know, in half hour format. Uh, I loved it. I really dug the show a lot. And so I'm sad to see it go. And it's sad that there will be, there will be no more. But I'm looking forward to the, to the final episode, which I believe is Sunday, or maybe it already happened. I don't know. I'm, because uh, I watch it on demand. Uh, I don't know the answer to this. Does, do, uh, when you watch something on demand, does that count as ratings? Because I rarely watch anything on first run, like when it's live. Just because it's inconvenient. And the convenience of on demand. So, can you do? Uh, I saw that they were. Um, well, Bruce Campbell, anyway, he posted uh, Ash Revealed Dead has been the ride of a lifetime. Ash Williams was the role of a lifetime. I will always be grateful to stars, Sam Raimi, Rob Tappert, and our tireless fans for the opportunity to revisit the franchise that launched our careers. Thank you. So, uh, that's the end. But then I saw today that there's people talking uh, that they might bring it back, but, you know, with Ash, with a woman in, in the role. Uh, like a f- the female that that I I personally liked the remake, and I thought it was smart that the remake didn't include Ash because no one can play that role but Bruce Campbell. That that's just Bruce Campbell's role, and so you're either gonna have a, a terrible impression, or you just have someone's not gonna live up to. So that was the smartest thing about that movie. I liked that movie quite a bit, but it's. A totally different vibe than uh, than Ash vs Evil Dead. So, I think if you're going to continue Ash vs Evil Dead, you have to have Bruce Campbell. And if not, I don't think you can. You can't. You just can't continue it. I like a lot of the secondary characters, but you just have to have Bruce Campbell in it. It's Ash vs Evil Dead. It's not you know Billy Bob vs Evil Dead or or Sammy you know or Ashley vs Evil Dead. Uh, I just don't think you can do it. Uh, so anyway, next week, May fourth through the sixth. Texas Frightmare Weekend. Looking forward to this. Um, we've talked about the guests, you know, a bunch of times already. So you can listen to those on previous shows. I'll give you some highlights here. But I just saw today, just tonight, they announced that they're going to be showing Death House at Texas Frightmare. And I've been dying to see this. I, I had thought about going to, 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 uh, to New York just to see it. So the fact that it's going to be playing at uh, Texas Frightmare is awesome. So Really looking forward to that. Maybe we'll do a live review of the movie. We're going to try to do some live videos. Maybe we're going to do some live drinking videos. I don't know. We're going to do some stuff. But they also just announced that Billy Zane's going to be there. Friday and Saturday only. Uh, That's pretty cool. Uh, Tons of other people. Like I said, we've been over. You know, all the Cenobites will be there. Tobin Bell will be there. Ron Perlman. Adrian Barbeau. Doug Bradley. Obviously one of the... uh, uh, I want to say, like, Clive Barker. I mean, you don't get much bigger than that. You don't get much bigger than that. Uh, they also just announced Diamond Dallas Page will be there. And Robert Kovacs, the man who looks just like Charles Bronson. And, oh, Death Kiss is going to be playing there. That's very cool. Former uh, guest made that. Uh, six Six Living Jasons will be there. Steve Dash, Ted White, Tom Morgan, CJ Graham, Kane Hodder, Ken Kurtzinger. Ethan Embry, Brad Dorif, Fiona Dorif, 
this list is just, you know, insane. Charles Band. So get yourself over. Texas Frightmare. It's going to be a great time. It's always a great time. And I'm looking forward to a lot of the movies playing there. It's going to be an excellent weekend. Uh, let's see here. We also have some other uh, upcoming conventions here. Also in May, May 12th to the 13th, the Walker Stalker Convention uh, hits Nashville. So if you're a big Walking Dead fan, get out to that. Uh, the 24th to the 27th, I've not heard of this convention, CoreCon. Let me look this up. And that's in Fargo. Fargo, North Dakota. So that's pretty cool. I think it's more of like a comic uh, convention. But that's very cool. Uh, so let's see here. Yeah, uh, yeah, the comic people. I'm not sure who these people are, but uh, I don't think I don't know. Maybe they get all kinds of conventions. I don't think so. But North Dakota, you're getting yourself a convention up in Fargo. Uh, Con Carolinas in June. So that one's coming up. Uh, let's see. They get Edge from WWE. Uh, lots of cool people. So uh, check that one out if you're in the area. Uh, Calgary Horror Con. Here we go. And that's in uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Uh, I'd like to go to Canada. Let's see. They got a lot of cool stuff. Uh, James Remar is going to be there. John Jarrett from, uh, from Wolf Creek, we're just talking about. CJ Graham. Uh, David Naughton. Great guest. Zach Galligan. Ashley Lawrence from Hellraiser, John Kassir from Tales and Crypt, PJ Souls from Halloween, uh, Dick Warlock's going to be there from uh, from Halloween 2, uh, Dig Farch is going to be there from uh, the remake of Halloween, he plays a young Michael Myers, John Dugan will be there, my friend John Dugan, I've seen him for years, Ken Faree will be there, Tiffany Sheppis. Suzanne Schneider from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, Susan ba- uh, Backline is the girl who gets uh, killed by Jaws. George Wilper from uh, Halloween 4, 5, and 6. Mr. Lloyd Kaufman will be there. Eugene Clark from Land of the Dead. Wow, just a huge uh, list of guests here. Doug Bradley, Penhead himself. Well, that, that's an amazing lineup. Uh to a horror dot uh, hoarder slash con dot ca it's a horror con uh, in alberta that's coming up in june uh living dead weekend uh my friend runs that that's in monroeville pennsylvania come june 8th through the 10th if you're into uh the romero films june 13th to the 15th crypticon can uh care uh was it kentucky no it's not kentucky uh kansas city crypticon kansas city uh, so that's coming up. That's uh, that's one of the main uh, conventions. So check that out. It's coming up July. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that far. Then uh, the ones in, in the future here we'll uh, talk about uh, on upcoming shows. Uh, for fans out there, uh, video games. Um, Bioshock is, uh, is 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 in talks of having a sequel. I've, I've never played Bioshock. This is you know that came out past my. Uh, video game days, but a lot of people love it, so uh, I'm sure people are happy to hear that. Uh, Wolfenstein 2 for Nintendo Switch. Uh, no, I never played Wolf. I No, I take that back. I did play Wolfenstein, but uh, it, w- it was one of those first shooter games and it got on my nerves, but, uh, but that's cool. 
Always good to have some Nazi stuff out there. Uh, let's see. Video, a uh, uh, game called Agony coming out in May. Survive the limits of your mind and venture into the most secret realms of hell. After searching, after recently being bumped from its original March release, developer Mad Mind Studios and publisher Maximum Games have announced that the fan-funded Agony, the unsettling journey through the most disturbing corners of hell, will dare horror fans to find a way out of its labyrinth and hit PC games and console consoles May 28th, 29th, 29th. So that sounds very cool. And it's cool that it's uh, funded by, by the fans, not just funded in general. Well, it's good. It's funded in general, I suppose. Uh, Poser comic book from Waxwork Comics. Uh, Poser combines music and storytelling in a punk rock horror comic about a near-forgotten Californian urban legend who's back to slaughter a group of rockers from Redondo Beach. It's gloriously gory. It comes with a companion soundtrack on color vinyl described as Black Flag meets John Carpenter. So that's a pretty cool one to, uh, to find out. Uh, let's see. Uh, April 26th. That's today. It's Alien Day. It's Alien Day here, people. What's your favorite Alien movie? We should do a whole Alien month. Is this a yearly thing, Alien Day? So I gotta remember next month, next year, sorry. Next year we'll do Alien Month. A lot of alien movies we could get up here. I like that. So uh, my favorite alien movie would just be Alien. Uh, there's a lot of alien movies I like. I think Alien's the best. It's the creepiest. When I was a kid, I liked Aliens. Better, but as an adult, I clearly see Alien's a better movie. And not that I dislike Aliens. But really, Alien is a... Is a gothic horror in space aliens is uh, it's an action movie There's nothing wrong with that i enjoy that too but my personal taste aliens uh better movie. i saw this on uh joeblow.com that the godzilla sequel has cast different actors for each of the heads of uh Ghidra. uh i i have to be honest i'm not a fan of godzilla films but I always give them a chance. And Ghidra's pretty sweet. So that's very interesting. Very interesting. So are they going to talk? What do you do with, like, uh, when they have each they each have a, a different actor? Are they just going to move around? I'm very confused here. Uh, I think they're just puppets. Different puppet heads? I don't see the point of this. What is the point of that, of hiring different actors for each head? Unless they're going to talk, I think that's just a waste of time. Uh, let's see. Overlord coming out by J.J. Abrams, and he's saying it's a crazy uh, you know, movie. But it is not a sequel to Cloverfield. And he is in the works for a Cloverfield sequel. It's got to be better than that last one. Paradox is with shits. Of the drizzling kind, I would say the drizzling shits. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of any of the of the Cloverfield films, except for the one with John Goodman. And I think my least favorite parts are the stuff added in to make a Cloverfield film. But uh, I, I loved it. Uh, Cloverfield, I'm not a big fan of. 
But it was a lot better than Cloverfield Paradox. That's for damn sure. My God, was that bad. Uh, they're making a Stephen King's The Long Walk. I'm not familiar with The Long Walk. Uh, came out in 1979. Huh. So, uh, yeah, very cool. Here's what it says. Uh, a future dystopian America ruled by an authoritarian. The country holds an annual walking contest in which 100 teams teens must journey nonstop and under strict rules until only one of them is still standing alive to receive the prize. Sounds like a lot like the Hunger Games, which obviously I know came way later. But but the thing, what's weird about all that is uh, if people know the Hunger Games, and even though this other one comes out that was written you know decades before, they see it as a copy of the Hunger Games. Very strange. But, uh, but anyway, that sounds good. I always like that kind of story. Uh, and Stephen King. I'm glad that the Stephen King stuff's really making a comeback here. We're getting a lot more of it. Uh, by the way, about Alien Day, um, over at FrightRags.com, they have an old school alien mask, the old school plastic ones with the rubber that goes around the back of your head. So that's pretty cool. You can get that uh, for 17 bucks. Uh, you get the T-shirt for 27 dollars. Fright Rags, and they also have a collectible pin. For 12 bucks. I like the pin. Uh, mask is only six inches high. It's pretty small. It's limited to 426. Wonder why 426. What made 426 Alien Day? Does anyone know? I, what's the significance of uh, 26 and in, 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 in Alien Day? I don't know. Uh, also coming out to Netflix, uh, May 1st will be Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, Scream 2, and The Reaping. May 4th, uh, Anon, Endgame, Kong, King of the Apes Season 2, The Rain Season 1, and May 18th, Cargo will be all added over on the Netflix. Uh, the Venom trailer is out there. And uh, I can't. I don't really think it looks good. Now, if I didn't know, if it would have just been out there, and I didn't, you know, there was no, it wasn't Venom. I probably think it'd be good, but it seems totally bizarre to me to introduce Venom before you've introduced the suit. It's, you know, so it's just this. The in this world, it's just it's just Venom exists without, you know, this the the symbiote suit uh, being. Part of the Spider-Man world seems very weird to me. Now, honestly, this seems like the, they're trying to get a, a Venom movie out there fast, without any backstory to it. I can't say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of. That's well, looking. Uh, let's see here. They started filming season three of Stranger Things, which I'm very excited about. And a fourth season has already been confirmed. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting to see if the love of the show holds up when the kids are not are no longer cute. Uh, I lived through you know sitcoms of the eighties and, and and when they uh, when the kid would get when the kid would get older they you know they would usually then introduce a new kid like well this the cute kid is no longer cute he's at this awkward age so now there's a whole brand new little cute kid and then it usually just fails. 
But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, I like I love Stranger Things. I'm not saying I hope it fails by any means. Looking forward to it. Uh, Dakota Johnson. Uh, I did the interview where she said that uh, when she was making the remake of Suspiria, that a fuck. This is a quote of her. Fucked me up so much I had to go to therapy. Interesting. I can't. I can't lie. I can't. I mean, I, it, hearing that makes me want to see it. The poster, no. Poster is just is just the shits. But the idea that an actress or actor in a movie would be so like tormented that they'd have to go to therapy has me intrigued about the movie. I can't lie. I can't lie. Could just be PR stuff, but it still has me intrigued. Um, so they're putting out uh, Return of the Living Dead costumes. So they got the Tar Man mask. I think it's just a mask. I don't think it's a whole costume. Uh, and they have a, a, a trash, uh, uh, not, you know, like, I was thinking if you had, like, an actual trash costume, it would just be, like, a, something you'd, like, slip over your, uh, your, your genitals, so it looks like you're, like, a, a smooth Barbie doll. But, no, it's before she gets naked. Before she gets naked. Uh, so, that's what I'm assuming. Uh, the one that I don't get is, uh... It's they also have the party time skeleton, which really is always like one of the shittiest looking things of that movie. When that like really like plastic skeleton just pops up, it's like of all the things you could have you could make a a, a costume out of from Return of the Living Dead. Why the heck? I don't get it. Don't get it at all. Silly. Very silly. So next week there will not be a without your head here. We'll be uh, I will be headed to Texas Frightmare with uh, Jason Mitten who does our reviews. People, uh, we'll have some live videos. I'll have some videos to edit when I get back. It'll be good times. If you're in the area, come on out and do it. And if not. If you're in there and you don't come out, I just don't know what to think about you. Don't know what to think. So you have to do it. So anyway, uh, big thanks to Chris Kane, newest member here of Without Your Head. If you have any news items, send it over to him or uh, email withoutyourhead at gmail.com. If you have any questions you ever want to hear us talk about on the show, let us know. So until next, well, not next week, but uh, it'll be two weeks from now. So who are we coming back with? Let me check here. Now let people know who's going to be on the show. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure it's. I think the week I've come back, I don't have anyone booked as of yet. But uh, the week after that, oh, I know. Uh, So the week after Adam Marcus will be here. Uh, the director of Jason Goes to Hell. We're talking about that. We're also going to talk about his new movie coming out, Secret Santa. This is uh, making the rounds now at the film festivals. Uh, and everyone knows, listen to this, I have a, I have a fondness for uh, for Christmas horror films. So this is right up my alley. That's going to be a great interview. I'm really looking forward to that. I'll be live on the show. Uh, it's also... It's a new movie, and I love this poster. If you talk or text, you're next. 
And it's some dude killing people in a theater. I love it. Says it's available May 16th on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. So check it out. I did see someone notice, ah, straight to video. But I don't think straight to video uh, really means that much anymore. It's not like back in like the 90s or 80s, the movie straight to video, you know. I mean, even then, though, now I think about it, a lot of straight to video movies I loved. I mean, I loved the full moon movie, uh, madness full moon movies back in the 80s that were straight to video. But we do it in a different time. I mean, not everyone gets a, not every movie gets a theatrical release. I mean, a lot of great horror movies have been straight to video in, the, in these last ten years, or, or had like a v- extremely limited uh, theatrical run. Like uh, Tales from Halloween, for example, was very limited at the theaters. I got I was lucky enough to get it, but most people they wasn't playing near them. Fantastic movie, I loved it. Uh, Devil's Candy. I don't I don't know if that played many places. A lot, a lot of these horror movies don't play a lot of places. So straight to video, I don't, I don't think that's fair to, to knock a movie for being straight to video. Uh, not in this day and age. So anyway, I think that's it for tonight. My jaw's getting tired from talking. I've talked a lot this week. I need to build up my my jaw here. I need some jaw exercise. This sounds like porn. This is. Not going way of saying. I'm saying I do a lot of interviews, so I need to uh, I need to strengthen my jaw. But it sounds like I'm talking about strengthening for other reasons. So maybe I'm just projecting. I don't know. But anyway, we'll be back here in a couple weeks. But until then, check out the the Facebook page. Keep an eye on it. Keep two eyes on it because we may be doing some live videos. Even if we don't do live videos, there'll definitely be a lot of photographs. So uh, check that out. We'll be in Texas Fright Mare. We'll be eating some some barbecue. It won't be just horror. I love horror, but we're going to be eating barbecue and and uh, maybe Jason will ride a bull. Uh, maybe I'll walk around in some assless chaps. You know, I put up pictures. I was just kidding. I was like, this is what I'm wearing in Texas. And it's like this all leather suit. And some people were into it. So I don't know. Maybe I'll have to bring it. Who knows? All right, well, the guy here's Nasty Neil. This is Without Your Head. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for the guests coming on. Uh, I love y'all, all and all, all you headless ones. Talk to you soon. Ha, 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 ha.